Hello, everybody, and welcome to All In. I'm new Super Eric Brothers. And I am Panel DeSeth. Oh, dude, I've got to tell you, I'm so glad that we finally made it out of all the not E3 craziness from last month. I mean, we've got a few stories in the news roundup, but I'm I'm thinking we can actually kind of take it easy this week. Maybe a little mini summer vacation. Oh, dude, that sounds so nice right now. Like some ice cream. And just let mm-hmm. me look over the show notes a little bit. And wait, Seth, did, did you see this? E3 is officially coming back next year. They're part. They're partnering with Reed Pop. What? What does that even mean? We're gonna have to talk about this. And oh no, 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 no! People are talking about the Switch Pro again. I thought they learned. What is even happening? I thought we were past this. I. Why I know. does this keep happening to us, Seth? I know, I know. Look, it's okay, Eric. It's going to be all right. It wasn't even a Switch Pro. It was actually just a Splatoon 3-themed Switch OLED. Oh, 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 that's fresh. Oh, I need. But But it still hasn't made people stop talking about the Switch Pro. Like, they just, they just won't stop. It's madness out here. Seth, have these people learned nothing Uh, apparently not but maybe we can steer the conversation in another direction let's talk about all of the freshest limited edition nintendo consoles in this week's top five there have been some shiny ones in nintendo history Ooh, eric likey eric likey but i think we need to focus the conversation a little more actually yesterday was national video game day are you thinking what i'm thinking Oh yeah, there is no game. Oh what? No, no, that that's that's not what I was. What, what does that even mean? That's literally the opposite of what I'm saying. No, 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 no. You're not hearing me, Eric. There is no game. Seth, we're trying to unify people's discourse online with our mutual love of video games in the hopes of bringing Nintendo fans together and reining in some of the insanity. I don't think there is no game is the message we should be sending right now. No, no, Eric. There is no game. Is a game. There is no game Wrong Dimension, actually. That's the title. It'll be perfect for this week's Indie Showcase. Oh, 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 oh. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm starting to feel like I'm on the wrong dimension this week anyway. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's fair. But dude, we've got this. Let's buckle up and get this thing started. It's time to go all in. That's right, everybody. We are here bringing you yet another episode of All In and Nintendo Podcast, the weekly Nintendo variety show where each and every Saturday, no shells left unturned and no point is left unearned. We are here live, as always. Live! 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 With our live Friday night twitch.tv slash Podcast crowd. Good to see everybody. Shout outs to everybody watching live. Of course, uh, for those who don't know, we do record the first segments of our show uh, through the News Roundup live every week on Friday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. So you are more than welcome to come hang out, just like some of these folks in the chat. Got a big crowd out here tonight, actually. Good to see everybody. Thanks for coming out, folks. And mm-hmm. um, we, we, we've got a fun uh, bunch of stuff to talk about this week. But before we do anything, we have to shout out our Golden Banana and Triforce Tier patrons. 
That is of the utmost yes. importance. So let's do utmost. our let's do our Patreon shoutouts at the Golden Banana tier. Our good friend Dan from Retrologic, who actually I was just on the Retrologic podcast. Shout out to Retrologic. Um, I was just on there this past week. Talking about the Nintendo Wii, Dan was uh, taking a leave of absence from the podcast this month, and I was basically just like, "Hey, dude, like, I'll you know, if you need somebody to to fill the void, like, I'm here, I'm happy to." And they were like, "How's Tuesday?" <laughs> I was like, "Sure." So uh, was more than happy to hang out with those dudes with uh, John and Sam, um, and uh, that that was a good episode of Retro Logic. Definitely recommend y'all take a listen to that. Uh, so shout yeah. outs to our good friend Dan. Dan Caparello. Dan Caparello. Uh, we got Solo Something, our good friend. Solo Something. <laughs> Eric's going to give a, a, a hair metal rendition of every Patreon uh, supporter. Um, we got John Cummins, also. John Cummins. <laughs> also of the Retrologic Podcast and On Topic Retro. We've got Matt Murray. <laughs> Matt Murray. <laughs> that, that one needs to be like a Flash Gordon, like Matt. Murray. <laughs> uh, Matt. Oh. Yeah. He's Shy Guy City. <laughs> We've got Rob Yaple at the Gold Banana Tier. Rob <laughs> Yaple. <laughs> and then we've got Third Strongest Mole also of the Retrologic the third Podcast. Third Strongest Mole. The Third Strongest Mole. We've got Shy Guy in, in the, at the Golden Banana Tier. We got Shy Guy. <laughs> and then uh, at the Triforce tier, we've got Josh Vaughn. The great Josh Josh Vaughn. <laughs> Somebody in the chat and in front of in the chat says Leroy Jenkins. Not Leroy Jenkins. Hasn't supported us yet. <laughs> but um <laughs> I've yelled I've yelled that a couple times playing Monster Hunter. <laughs> but we do have Tim A, aka Neo Prime 33, aka Nintendo Dad number four. If Eric wants to sing all that, I'll be very impressed. Tim A, a.k.a. Neo Prime 33, a.k.a. Tim Elf, a.k.a. Fourth Nintendo Dad. We've got Sparky. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Baby. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. Sparky. Sparky gets like a whole song. And then finally, we have my Uncle Randy, Randy Bryans. Love you, Uncle Randy. Um, Sorry, Uncle Randy, I'm drinking right now. I can't really. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Well, I, again, huge thanks to all of our Golden Banana and Triforce tier supporters. We appreciate y'all so much. That's just one of many uh, perks of the Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash allinpodcast and see which of our tiers work for you. Uh, we do a whole other dang podcast uh, this week on All In Side Quest. We talked about Sega. Um, mm -hmm. A lot of singing mm -hmm. already in this episode. A lot of singing already. Mm -hmm. But... Um, yeah, so anyway, lots of stuff always happening on patreon.com slash podcast. Speaking of that, I, I posted this in the Discord earlier today. We do need uh, some of our Triforce tier patrons. We're, we're trying to plan our first AMA hangout. We're going to do that very soon because we're, we're basically trying to schedule something that works for some of our Triforce tier patrons. So I tagged you all in the Discord. If you would, go in there and uh, let me know kind of what your availability is like. And we'll get that scheduled and we'll hang out and we'll do an AMA. So that is on the books. And uh, we'll probably try to make that kind of like a first or second weekend of the month kind of thing. 
uh, moving forward. So Triforce tier patrons, there is both a post on the Patreon and in Discord that uh, that we would love your feedback on. But with all that housekeeping out of the way, sir, what's been going on this week? Uh, I think we both know what's been going on this week, Seth. I don't even know why you asked. Yeah. Uh, why? Why would you ask questions to which you already know the answer? <laughs> but for those of you out there in internet land who don't know what we're talking about, just just all of the Monster Hunter Sunbreak, just all of it. I thought I had played all of it, and then I found more, and I played that as well. Yeah. Just, just so many, and I'm only Master Rank three, by the way. I've yeah. been on so many hunts. So many hunts over the past week with all of our amazing community members. We have gotten so many of our community members together over this past week, last weekend, and all through the week. Just just a few hours ago, I lost like four hours <laughs> yeah, on even more hunts with Ninfrendo and Solo and Sam and, and everybody. And everybody. It was it was so much fun. We're constantly able to get a full party of four in, and it's just it's a ton of fun. The internet connection is is fantastic. I haven't really had a bad internet connection since we've started doing this. It's just been a ton of fun. The game hasn't crashed on me. I haven't been. I've had maybe, maybe a couple momentary slight issues the entire time. But it's just been so, so much fun. Just so, so much fun this entire week. I've probably put, since our last episode aired, I've probably put close to 20 hours into monster hunter me too that's like the only thing i'm playing by the way i'm just gonna get that out of the way now because that's the only thing i've been up to is sunbreak genuinely <laughs> that's the only thing i've been up to um yeah i've uh, i've same as you i've probably put 15 20 hours into sunbreak just in the past week or so like and and just like you like uh matt matt murray shy guy city and i popped on there a couple days ago and literally just like four and a half hours melted absolutely yep. melted we just were it's such a great background game monster hunter like where you just like turn your brain off go on some hunts and and you just like hang out like it's just a great hangout game and the hours melt away man they really do yeah obviously there's no nintendo voice chat or anything like that but we just all pop into our discord chat another reason you should join our discord yeah uh but yeah we just all jump into the discord chat and we just go hunt a bunch of monsters it's just it's just so endlessly fun. I love I love the Hermitar. I know it's like the first one in the game, but I just love the new it Hermitar fight. Uh, I really like Garen Gulm, although I think you know I talk about having issues with the game. I think that that photo glitches, or I think that photo quest is glitched or something. Oh, where you have There's, to take a picture of his arms. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know because we we fought a Garen Gulm today, and I had to have taken thirty pictures of his arms as they were powered up, which is, yeah. I, I digress. I'm going to get off on a big tangent about that if I start talking. <laughs> but yes, overall, Monster Hunter has just been a ton of fun. But I've actually been playing a lot of, still continuing to play, a lot of Capcom fighting collection. There's of actually course. something fairly specific I'm trying to do with Capcom fighting collection that I've already told to Seth, and it's quite a grind. So I'm, I am working towards something in that game. Oh, twist my arm to make me play more of that, why don't you? <laughs> but I've been grinding that as well quite a bit this past week. In addition to that, Seth and I both have played a super secret game. That's right. Yes. Can't actually say too much more about that right now. Maybe you should listen to next week's episode. I think we'll have more to say about it then, for sure. I think think we will ribbit <laughs> but um i've been playing a lot of that 
And I, I almost, I almost went to go see Thor love and thunder tonight before we did this, but I really want to see it on, you know, like the big screen, the 3d, you know, sure. whatever special they're, they're calling it these days. And I could have gone to see it tonight, but it's because of how much I love and respect our amazing <laughs> viewers and our amazing listeners that I am here spending my Friday evening with you, ladies you and gentlemen. Go. I just love and respect you all that much. You know how out of touch I am? Please become patrons. <laughs> you know how out of touch I am? I had no idea that Thor was even happening this weekend. I had no clue. <laughs> I, I literally, like, I saw somebody talking about it on Twitter. I was like, wait a minute. They're, like, the new Thor movie comes out this weekend? I If you had asked me 48 hours ago, if you had said, hey, Seth, like, when's the new Thor movie coming out? I was like, ah, I think it's, like, November. And I, I had no clue. It's it's like this. I'm so out of the loop with Marvel. It's like absurd. So. <laughs> well, between the but before our next episode airs, I will have seen Thor Love and Thunder and the finale to the uh, much better than I thought it was going to be Miss Marvel show. I like it a lot, too. We may need so, to do a side quest on Miss Marvel. We might yeah. need to do. We we'll might do one on Marvel anyway, but we'll but we'll see. We'll see. That's for patrons again become a patron, please. <laughs> but that's for patrons here in a couple weeks as part of our side quest episode that's part of our golden banana and triforce tier levels mm-hmm. but yeah so capcom fighting collection super secret game uh going to see thor very 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 soon mm-hmm. and then just all of the monsters all of the monster heads lined up on my wall uh with you know having just a ton of fun with our community this has been the best week for community playing that we've had so far since oh, yeah. Sunbreaks come out. Yeah, the, the Hunter's Guild channel is popping off right now. Absolutely popping off. We've added new people into the Discord just to, to hunt with us. It's been an absolute blast. Thank you to everybody who has come out and joined us on the hunt. And I promise you, there will be quite a few more. I mean, even to, at dawn, we ride. <laughs> I'm definitely going to be playing be more, more tomorrow. tomorrow. Yeah. 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 yeah I you and I need be. to get in. We need to, uh, we definitely need to do some more. There's a lot more armor and oh, stuff yeah. that, that I need. So, but Seth, what have you legitimately done? Nothing else? <laughs> no, super I, secret game I got nothing. Monster I got Hunter? nothing. I've got, yeah. I, so yeah, super secret game. We've been playing that again. We'll talk much more about that next week. Uh, when we can, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's embargoed until next week, but, um, We've been playing that, uh, and then yeah, just Monster Hunter. Like genuinely, just Monster Hunter. When when I've had gaming time, it has been Monster Hunter with the community, and um, just yeah, to echo everything you said. What what a blast that has been, and uh, what a treat to see so many people joining the Discord and joining the Hunters Guild. If you're out there listening and you aren't already in the Discord and you're a Monster Hunter fan, like I cannot tell you, I, I can't stress enough how important it is. You should really be in the Hunters Guild, like. People are playing constantly. Um, people are just like throwing it out there like, hey, I'm jumping in for a hunt. You know, here's my lobby code or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm coming in this afternoon. I got off work early. Who wants to join in? And we got some people who are like, um, shout out to Dan's brother, Adam, who joined the Discord. And he was like, hey, man, like, I'm, I'm trying to learn. You know, I'm trying to get into it. Can anybody kind of walk me through and kind of help me out? Like, yeah, absolutely. You know, so just a great like community game. Sunbreak has been 
So highly recommend that. For those who don't know, yeah. Discord links are always in the episode descriptions, and they, and it can also be found right there, a pinned tweet on uh, on Twitter as well. So uh, definitely recommend joining the Discord if you're a Monster Hunter player, for sure. Yeah, and it's just been so nuts because we've talked about how nuts the game release schedule was for June. There's a ton more games that I really yeah. want to play. I've got Chrono Cross that I want to get to. I've got Amori that I want to get to. I've got Pocky and Rocky that yeah. I want to get to. And I even just got in today. I've got a couple new ones from IMA Bit. I got my hard copy of Spinch that I want to go back and replay. And I even got my hard copy of Untitled Goose Game that I want to go back and replay. Just, just, just actually too much. There's yeah. actually too much. Slow down. Yeah. And Clonoa just came out. By, by the way, I, I maybe this is just the best time to talk about this because this this actually really annoyed me. The way that mm-hmm. Bandai Namco America has been treating Clonoa is really annoying to me. Um, for those who don't know, Clonoa came out this week. It's it's basically uncontested, by the way. Like We like to shout out notable releases. Clonoa basically owns this week in terms of releases. And what's really annoying is Bandai Namco is treating it in the U.S., like it's not like like it's nothing. It did not have a physical release in the U.S. It didn't even have it had a English language demo only on the Japanese eShop. Um, it had DLC that wasn't even listed for the game until it was already available in the U.S. And even then, other regions had access to the game digitally hours and hours before you could even buy it in the U.S. digitally. It's like. They, they're Bandai Namco America is like looking at this region with Clonoa, and I understand it's a niche franchise, but they're looking at it like, like we just don't care about it. And people, I'm seeing on Twitter all the time, like, hey, if if you had sold this to me, I would have bought it, you know. And what's frustrating is, in the same breath, they're like, yeah, go and support it because we want to know if you want more Clonoa, and it's like, yeah, would love to sell it to me, and I'll support, I'll support it. Really frustrating. I feel like Klonoa is a very hardcore gamer franchise with aspirations of being mass market casual. Sure. I could see that. But I mean, like, you know, uh, you can't can't say like, hey, go out and support this to let us know you want more and then give me no way of doing that. They didn't even have it up for pre-order on the North American eShop. Like, you just had to keep popping on there on launch day and like hope that you see it. I was looking on launch day on the eShop, knowing I got my physical from Play Asia coming. Yeah, you, you know, and I both imported it or yeah. are importing it. Hopefully it gets here soon. Yeah. So so like I've got that coming, so I'm not gonna double dip or whatever, but like I was checking the eShop regularly. It wasn't until like six PM on launch day that that it finally hit the eShop. It's nuts. Just just wild and frustrating. And so anyway, anybody who's out there who's interested in playing Clonoa, um, on launch day, they did add a demo to the North American eShop. So yes, they did. There is one now. So if you'd like to try Clonoa out, you can pop over to the eShop, and finally, lo and behold, there is a demo. And finally, now that the game is out there, Bandai Namco America is acting like it actually exists. So um, yeah, play Clonoa. That's all I'm saying. It's a really special little series. Um, Hashtag play Clonoa. Yeah, rant over. You, do, you, do you think we should warn the first timers? <laughs> um. I, I mean, Clonoa is, there's a darkness to Clonoa, for sure, um, mm. but I think that if you... I, I wasn't ready. <laughs> if I, I'll say this. If you're a Kirby fan, um, 
Klonoa is really the closest video game corollary that I could make to the Kirby series. Like, and you and I found this firsthand. Like, there's really, there really is nothing like the Kirby series. And Klonoa is the closest I can get. And conversely, there's nothing quite like the Klonoa series either. So, very, very unique games. Um, I recommend them. I recommend them to Kirby fans. So, anyway, rant over. Uh, we do have some fun news stories to get into. So, what do you say we get into it? We do have some fun news stories. But, unfortunately, we do have to get a not fun story out of the way first. So let's just go ahead and get that out of the way so we can talk more about the fun stories. So let's talk about it. Hey, listen. Hey, folks. Seth here from the All N Editing Bay, editing this episode right now. I just wanted to come in with a quick clarification before we start reporting on the news. So the first story we're going to report on uh, is in regards to GameStop and uh, maybe more importantly, Game Informer layoffs. And listening back to this segment, I think we may have sort of misconstrued the story a little bit. We, we're sort of implying here that the entire Game Informer magazine and that the entire staff is laid off. That's actually not the case. That's what some people are sort of postulating and reporting online. That isn't actually the case. The, the magazine itself is still alive for now, um, but they did lay off, I believe, three members of the editorial staff. So... That, that's what actually happened. And so anyway, I think I'm not going to like edit out the segment or anything like that, because I think that the points are still very salient that we make in this conversation. I think all of that is still true. The feelings are still true. The well wishes are still true. But uh, I did just want to pop in and um, and say that here before we get into it. Just, you know, we regret the error. We don't want to spread any misinformation whatsoever. But uh, with all that being said, enjoy the rest of the news. And again, just getting the not fun stuff out of the way before. And this is something that Seth and I are actually very close to because both Seth and I have been employed multiple times yeah. with this uh, with this company. Yeah, that's true. Um, folks who have been listening to us for a little while will know that, um, you know, Eric has worked for GameStop before. I worked for GameStop for like seven and a half years. Um, we've talked about GameStop on the show before, and this is just a, a quick story that um, that I wanted to make sure that we stopped and talked about because there, there are a couple little takeaways from it. Um, these are reports that are circulating um, from kind of GameStop talking about how they've reallocated their budget for this year. Um, they have actually done uh, four to one stock splits, which is really interesting because uh, you're seeing a lot of companies doing stock splits right now. Um not inherently. And for those who don't know what that is, yeah, it's it's not inherently a bad thing. Basically, what it means is that uh, they are adding more stocks to their I am pool. People. <laughs> they're they're basically <laughs> generating more stocks to their pool, lowering the value of their stock. Um, so essentially, if you own a share of GameStop stock before the split happens, you now own four. Um, and what that does... They're each worth less. They're each worth less, though, because there are more of them. So um, that's that's really just a good way for a company to kind of hit the reset button a little bit on their stock, especially GameStop stock price has been all over the place. So I, I think that it was 
kind of a way for them to kind of even things out for themselves. It makes sense. Companies do this all the time. Amazon does this like yearly. Um, as a matter of fact, I think Nintendo recently did it as well. I think they, but theirs was even crazier. Theirs was like a 20 to one split or something Jeez. like that. Yeah. So it just, it, it happens because if a, if a company's stock gets too high, it becomes uh, unattractive for people to get in. You want to make it look more attractive for uh, potential stockholders. Um, so anyway, they they enacted that a four to one stock split. They've also um, they haven't like officially gone into details, but there have been massive la- uh, layoffs company wide um, to include the staff of Game Informer, which is the, the that's sad. I mean, Game Informer yeah. has such a legacy. I mean, regardless of how you feel about Game Informer now, the state of video game magazines maybe something we should cover in a main segment someday. Um, but yeah, the staff of Game Informer has been laid off as as a result of these budget cuts. And it's sad. Yeah, I was always a big fan. I thought Game Informer did really good work. Yeah. I mean, you can say what you want about the company itself and their business practices, but the periodical that they put out, I've always been a huge fan of. I thought it was always very high quality and a a great way to sell a uh, great way to sell subscriptions and yeah. pro cards to people. I I really I'm, I'm a huge fan of Game Informer. So, I was really sad to see that. I was too. I you know, and again, I haven't read Game Informer regularly in years or any gaming magazine for that for that matter in years because they just don't really exist anymore. Um in, in, in an official capacity, but Game Informer is one of those magazines that still has existed in a monthly format despite everything. After the yep. EGMs of the world have withered away and the official Xbox and PlayStation magazines and whatnot, Game Informer has stuck around. Um, yeah, you and I remember when uh, the newsstands, when a massive chunk oh, yeah. of the newsstand was dedicated to gaming and PC magazines. Oh, and yeah. Just everybody, just game pros and like you said, EGM and... It's just PC gamer magazine, just everything. Everybody had their own, their own gaming magazine at one point, and you get like demo discs, and there were all kinds of weird good. Man, I love the golden era of video game periodicals. I would, I would spend hours, hours in Walden Books and you know Borders and Barnes and Noble, just you know flipping through them. Yeah, just hours, honestly. Yeah, no, it was, it was great. And um, actually, shout out to uh, my friend Bill, who does the uh, Gamer Looks at 40 podcast. Um, he just did an episode, a kind of an EGM retrospective, where he uh, actually got a bunch of the old guard at EGM to come on and talk about their time there. And so that nice. was that was really cool. And I, I'm, I'm on that show. I don't know when the epi- – that dude's production pipeline is nuts. I don't know when the episode that I'm going to be on is going to air, but – I recorded it like two months ago, so I don't. I don't. When know. you're forty, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, I guess, yeah, I guess it's going to be in uh, several years now that we're going to have to wait. But anywho, um, all of our best to the staff of Game Informer. All of our best to everybody impacted by the GameStop layoffs. Uh, we wish everybody the absolute best. We hope the Game Informer folks land on their feet. All talented people, clearly, and um, mm-hmm. and I'm sure they're going to have no problem finding uh, finding work from here. But um, it is kind of the end of an era and, and definitely just wanted to sort of tip my hat to Game Informer. And if anybody wants to come hang out with us and talk about Game Informer for a while, we'd love to have you. Yeah, I, I think we should. I think we should do like a like a gaming magazine uh, main segment maybe one week. That, that might be something to ruminate on. 
But um, mm-hmm. again, sending all of our best and uh, and all the love and respect in the world to those folks impacted by the GameStop layoffs that happened this past week. But we do have some slightly happier news to talk about. Although it was just a pr- second, just a second, just a second. <laughs> Let me pop my collar for this. I got to get fresh for this one, ladies and gentlemen. I got to get. <laughs> you need to get pop fresh. My collar. Need to get fresh. However, uh, what was really funny about this was the way that it came about. Because earlier this week, people had notated like, yeah, Nintendo is putting the Switch Lite and the Switch OLED trailers private. What does this mean? They've upped like their production. We know that they've ordered all these parts. Switch Pro's got to be happening. It's got to be Switch Pro. Clearly, the rumors are finally coming to fruition all this time later. Let's keep talking about Switch Pro. And then, uh, yeah, it, it, it wasn't Switch Pro. And that's why we didn't share any of that. Because, yeah. I mean, we knew. I mean, we... Of course. <laughs> and we're not going to talk about this too, too much because I feel like we've already... I feel like we've already said we're tired. this piece. Yeah. So much of it. But, yeah, we especially after especially after all of the Switch Pro rumors from last year leading into E3 and the fact that they were, you know, 98% deconfirmed with the announcement of the Switch OLED. There are there are people out there like, it'd be cool if we got one, but it just feels like whenever anything happens regarding Nintendo's console at this point, people think it's a reason to just regurgitate yeah. more Switch Pro stuff. And... <clears throat> Guys, just let's let, let's not be alarmists about this. But I will say the news we got was nice. It was it was indeed nice, and I I just thought it was like just the perfect like uh, I I loved that like not only was it not the Switch Pro, but it was something that like is a a very pretty like new model of the Switch OLED themed around Splatoon three, and. Uh, <sighs> I know that you're particularly enamored with this one. Oh. <laughs> oh. Which side's my heart on? Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> this one looks pretty. If you haven't seen the Splatoon 3 Switch OLED Special Edition model, I highly, highly recommend you seek out the video, uh, the announcement trailer for it. Seek out the pictures of it because, you know, Special Edition Nintendo consoles are quite a nice tradition within the Nintendo within Nintendo history. We're going to be talking about them quite a bit a little bit later on in the episode. Mm-hmm. But this one is just this one's pretty special. This one's pretty special. It's in my opinion the best looking Switch special edition. It is pretty. It is pretty. The details of this are it's coming uh, on August 26th, which is I believe mm-hmm. 2 weeks before the game launches on uh, September 9th. And yep. um, it's going to have, again, perfect theming, super fresh. SAZ in the chat, super fresh for real, absolutely fresh. Uh, Eric's got the collar popped for full fresh effect. Um, it's got the blue and yellow gradient Joy-Con, which are beautiful. Um, it's got the Splatoon theming on the back of the console and on the dock um, all throughout. Really gorgeous. It's going to be three fifty nine ninety nine. Oh. Um, does not come with a copy of the game. Uh, for those who are not aware of that, it does not come with a copy of the game. Um, it's just the OLED itself and uh, and everything that comes with it. But uh, yeah, really pretty. If you've been waiting to get a Switch OLED, look, take a look at it. And um, 
and and maybe you think it's uh something you might want to jump into i think you're talking about you're going to upgrade to this one right Mm, we're going to be talking about that a little bit more later, but uh, I, I will certainly have a few more things to say about this console yeah. later on in the episode. But uh, one last little you know footnote for this story is there's also a Splatoon 3 Pro Controller that was yes. announced alongside this. So definitely check that out as well if you're into collecting uh, Switch Pro controllers. The the Monster Hunter one that just came out for Sunbreak is pretty nice. I thought about it. Yeah, it's this like nice yeah, silver Malzano one. I do have. Uh, it's actually right here for folks who are watching live. They can see the video. I do have the oh nice yeah uh, Magnamalo Gold Pro controller um, that I picked. I picked that up, but I did not pick up the Malzano controller. I'm I need a new Pro controller, so I, I'm thinking about it, but. I, I like the Splatoon 3 Pro Controller. I, I wish they had adopted a similar color scheme to the Joy-Con on the uh, on the console itself. But, hey, you, you win some, you lose some. They're also launching a uh, officially licensed Splatoon 3 carrying case. Um, and, and both yeah. the Pro Controller and the carrying case are coming out uh, alongside the game again on September 9th. So, really cool to see a little bit of a Splatoon 3 ramp up as yeah. we're getting closer to launch. Um, yeah. But if the Splatoon 3 OLED model, you know, isn't really your thing, if you've recently upgraded to the OLED or, you know, you're just not feeling it yet and you've got $300 lying around that you're still looking for something to spend on. Yeah. We've got good news for you. <laughs> this past week, in addition to the Splatoon 3 Switch OLED edition, Nintendo, in continuing their partnership, with Lego finally announced Lego Bowser. Yeah. It's a big one. It is 2,807 bricks. Mm -hmm. um, it's coming out October 1st. It is a fully posable, custom, mighty Bowser set, is what it's mm -hmm. called. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's a beautiful set. It's is nice. Um, they actually uh, they did a, a video with the senior, I guess, advisor or whatever. So the the set actually looks like it's 13, 14 inches tall. Like it's huge. a big set. Huge. Yeah. yeah, and and for and so the price is two hundred and sixty nine dollars and ninety nine cents, which is I mean it's a big bite. You could buy a switch for that price for sure. But um, if you look at the way it breaks down, like when you look at how big the set is and how many bricks are included. Um, I think it breaks down to like a little less than nine cents a brick or something like that. Um, something around there, but so, yeah, but still, but still $300 after tax yeah. for a Lego set. I mean, I know you have spent quite a bit of money on Super Mario Lego stuff. You picked up like you've got Mario. You've even got Luigi, right? Yeah. I have Mario and Luigi. Um, they, what's interesting is they, they've timed this out interestingly because the princess peach set comes out next month and then we're going to have basically like a month buffer between that and this massive Bowser set. This is not the first like high dollar premium set that Nintendo has released. Obviously they've done the no, full NES the question mark block. and the question mark block. Yep. Yeah. So th th this is far from the first, it's not going to be the last and, um, yeah, I mean, look, it's it's beautiful. I did have a friend of mine, one of my best friends, uh, my friend Dan. He he very generously was like, "Look, dude, he he's huge into Lego. He buys Lego all the time." And he was like, "Look, I have enough rewards points. I could get you a hundred dollars off of this thing if you're interested." 
So I don't know. $169 for some Legos is still a lot of money, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't considering it. <laughs> um, so I don't know. We'll see. But uh, yeah, it's it's gorgeous though. It's it is that is what you want. Like that is the ultimate Lego Bowser set. I can't imagine a more perfect Lego Bowser than that. Honestly, it does look really good. It's got you know, it's got moving arms. It's got a moving jaw. It even has a projectile that fires out of the mouth. So it it does look really really good. And if I had three hundred dollars just lying around, if I yeah. can find that. You know, if I can find three hundred dollars worth of coins in my sofa or something, I'll consider it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It, for for that price, they better be flying Kenny James out to hand deliver it and no uh, yeah. <laughs> and bring it to my doorstep, and uh, maybe maybe we'll make that happen. But um, anyway, so that's, that's that's honestly what they should have done. Like you've got yeah, like Mario and ba- uh, Mario and Luigi and Princess Peach. They're all electronic. They all have voice acted functionality they should have absolutely done that with bowser get kenny james out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah just just have a little uh voice box in there and you know why not it's all i mean it's already expensive just stick that in there and call it a day um but it, it was weirdly kind of a big week for like nintendo like merchandise announcements um because after i've been waiting on this to get announced for like six months um finally Finally, the Cold Stone Nintendo collaboration, not the first Cold Stone Nintendo collaboration, but the latest Cold Stone Nintendo collaboration was announced. Uh, you've got three Nintendo-themed ice creams to cool off with this summer if you want to pop into a Cold Stone. And there are ice creams themed around Animal Crossing New Horizons, Mario Party Superstars, and Kirby and the Forgotten Land. So... If you if you like ice cream, and I mean, who doesn't like ice cream? Pop into Cold Stone and uh, and get yourself a cup. Uh, they all come in themed cups as well, which is kind of neat. So, <laughs> uh, I really thought they were gonna. Well, well, what they're called is you've got uh, the Mighty Pink Puff is yep. the flavor of the Kirby one. Uh, Superstar Sprinkle Blast is the Mario Party Superstars one. And then the flavor of the Animal Crossing ice cream is called Island Getaway. Yep. And like they, (laughs) obviously I know the point of advertising is to make the stuff, make the products, make the food look as appealing as possible, but they're doing a very good job in these advertisements. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. They they all look really good. Yeah. So I'm definitely going to be visiting a Cold Stone Cream. You know what I, I, I do wish? Because they've all got themed little buckets right as well i do wish that they were like done in a collectible format or something because these just look like typical cardboard they're just cardboard ones yeah yeah, just cardboard cups that are probably going to fall apart at you know the the gentlest breeze once there's not any ice cream in there i would absolutely collect these three if they were made out of, you know, plastic or something, I would have loved that. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been a nice touch. Like if they had just made like a little plastic cup or something, that would have been nice. But Nintendo collabs with uh, Cold Stone a lot. They've done um, ice cream cakes and they did like a Mario Kart ice cream cake collab or something uh, like maybe a year ago or something like that. But this is kind of cool because you've got some custom ice cream mixes. Uh, I think the Kirby one is like strawberry ice cream with 
strawberries and caramel and marshmallow fluff or something like that. And you got mm-hmm. the the Mario Party Superstars one is very much like a birthday cake kind of thing. And um, the Animal Crossing one's like chocolate ice cream with various fruit and stuff in it. So yeah, we're we're planning on doing um my wife and I are going to do uh, a like live tasting. We don't know. It's, it's either going to be an IRL stream or maybe it's just going to be a video. We'll, we'll see how the circumstances work out, but either way, we're going to make a trip out to cold stone and we're going to do that and uh, make a, make some video content, a, a live tasting of the Nintendo. We're going to find out what Kirby tastes like when you, when you eat Kirby, we're going to find that's, that, that out. That's horrifying. That's horrifying. <laughs> we're going to turn the tables on Kirby. See how he likes it. <laughs> There's way too many horrifying jokes that you can make right there, so I'm just—I'm not even going to touch it. But I'm—I'm I'm still really excited. I'm absolutely buying each and every one of these. Maybe, maybe on the same trip. Who knows? There you we'll go. see how fluffy I'm feeling. <laughs> there you go. Well, look, it's a perfect way to cool off for the summer, for this particularly hot summer. Um, mm-hmm. Great, great chance to get yourself some Nintendo ice cream. But. Uh, we also got, you know, it was funny. You and I were talking like, man, I, I don't know. I don't know if NSO Thursday is going to hit this week. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not really feeling it this week, but yeah, never doubt NSO Thursday. <laughs> never doubt I it. Didn't, I, I specifically said I didn't think we were getting any games, and I was technically correct. You were technically right. We didn't right. actually get any games, but Thursday before 9 p.m. Eastern, which is when all of this stuff always drops for NSO now. We were talking, it's like, it's NSO Thursday. What do you think is going to happen? Because last week, obviously, we got the shadow drops of those Sega Genesis games. The week prior to that was, of course, dropping of the, at the time, final announced Nintendo 64 game. So we didn't really know what was going on. Nintendo had done a bunch of stuff. They released those three special edition Kirby games for Kirby's 30th anniversary. They have done a lot with NSO over the past few months, especially. And we didn't know what really to expect from this point moving forward because both Seth and I kind of expected more NSO, like a more blanket NSO announcement, an actual roadmap moving forward. And we didn't get that. However, it is very clear that Nintendo still has plans for their Nintendo Switch Online expansion pack announcing this past Thursday evening, the next edition to the NSO N64 app. And Seth, the last N64 game we got was a Pokemon game. The next N64 game we're going to get is a Pokemon game. This being Paneled Upon. I'm sorry, Pokemon <laughs> Puzzle League. It, it is Paneled Upon with a Pokemon skin. I mean, that, that yeah, is... Yeah, that's all it is. That's exactly what it is. However, yeah. it, it because of that, it is like my favorite... Uh, my my favorite version of Panel to Bond. Like it's themed specifically around the Pokemon anime, and it has yep. like full animated cutscenes and things like that. This is a great, great game, and to be able to play this game online is going to be huge. Uh, that's coming next week on the fifteenth. Yeah. Um, shout out to Nintendo in chat who jokingly says Superman sixty four. You laugh. I would love that if they brought I know Superman sixty four. He would. He would legit unironically <laughs> love that if that happened. <laughs> I actually, We've had this conversation before. He unironically loves Superman 64. It's part of his childhood, and yep. I can't really fault him for that. You know, it was, there were all of us, all of us had at least one objectively bad game that we loved because we had it and we got to play it as a kid, and we didn't know any better. Yeah, 
we all we were all stupid kids once so that's that's yeah. my little stupid kid childhood thing is superman 64 i will i will actually defend that horrible game but um <laughs> but regardless pokemon puzzle league huge get i actually think that um not only does this sort of just strengthen like okay cool like i guess we're going to I guess we're just going to keep getting N64 games once a month. Like, I guess that's just the cadence that, that they've developed. Um, we're sticking with it. Um, and like, not only that, I think the only other Pokemon N64 games that we would be missing at this point are the Pokemon stadium games. Stadium. Yeah. And since I think so, I don't think there's, I mean, and Hey, you Pikachu, I guess, but like, yeah, I mean, otherwise though, I I think Pokemon Stadium is really likely after seeing these. Like if they've got that all figured out, bring it on. I think it's super likely that we see, and that would be great to play the mini games online. Oh, that would be amazing. So anyway, huge get. It is a huge get, and it is nice to see that. You know, the, like they're not even stopping. They're not even slowing down. They're not even taking a break. We just got an N sixty four game. We just got the final announced N sixty four game a couple weeks ago, and they're like, yep. Let's keep it rolling. Let's keep it rolling. There's a lot of N64 games we certainly hope get announced. And it is certainly going to make NSO Thursday a lot more interesting if there is now this chance, this good chance, that Nintendo just surprises us with the next game in the pipeline as opposed yeah. to giving us a roadmap. Because as much as it was great to get all these N64 games up until now, we, we knew all of them. As hype as we were for Banjo-Kazooie, we knew about it beforehand. We knew that was coming. We knew all these games were coming. We had right. no clue that Pokemon Puzzle League was coming. So if Nintendo is just going to start surprising us with the next games in the pipeline, that could make for some very interesting Thursday nights. Yeah, I think I kind of love it. I kind of love that strategy. I kind of hope I kinda they keep do with too. it. Yeah. So uh, an additional Pokemon Puzzle League, uh, the Japanese NSO N64 app is getting custom Robo 1 and 2. Um, PSA. I'm going to need fan translations of those. <laughs> stat. stat. I, I'm sure they exist. Yeah. Um, but PSA, it is very easy. If you, sh if you go online, set up a Japanese Nintendo account, you can access the Japanese eShop, download the Japanese version of all the NSO apps, and you can still log in and play them just fine with your normal Nintendo Switch Online account and play those games totally accessible really easily from your Switch. So... Uh, you don't have to you really just need to learn how to read Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know if some of these games are like when they put uh, Umihara Kawase on uh, NSO like a month or two ago, th that's a game you don't really need to do a lot of reading for. You can kind of work your way through that. Custom Robo. I don't know. I've never played Custom Robo 1 and 2, so I don't know how much reading is involved. Um, I don't know if you can kind of stumble your way through it. But anyway. That will be available on the same day, on the 15th, if you would like to uh, jump into the Japanese NSO app and play them there. But uh, speaking of NSO, the latest game to receive the NSO free game trial treatment uh, is out there now. It is none other than Mario plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle, mm -hmm. which is a great game to receive the treatment, considering that uh, Sparks of Hope is on the horizon in October. You can play the, the full near game. Horizon. The near Just horizon. Let's go. That's right. Just a couple months away. That's right. You can play the first game for free through the twelfth. So you got a few more days to hop in there and play that. And in addition to that, the game is discounted to just nine ninety nine until the twentieth. It is definitely worth that price. It's only ten bucks. Mm -hmm. Play it. Worth. Oh playing. my god, play it. That's such a great game. 
worth playing for sure. That's a great price. Um, so yeah. And, and again, right now, if you're an NSO subscriber, you can play it for free. So if you've always been sort of on the fence about Mario plus rabbits and you want to check it out, perfect opportunity to, um, mm-hmm. but actually we have a little bit of a quick headline about Ubisoft, uh, in general, mm-hmm. for those who don't know, Mario plus rabbits is of course an Ubisoft joint. And, uh, they have announced that a new Ubisoft forward is going to be airing on September twenty uh, September tenth at twelve p.m. Pacific time, and uh, this is kind of interesting because they very sort of prolifically were like, "Hey, Ubisoft Forward, we're not going to do one for like the E three season. We're not participating in Summer Game Fest or anything like that." So it's interesting that they finally sort of dated a new one, and I wonder what we're going to see. That's not too far away now. It's about two months away. I don't know. We'll see. Uh- Ubisoft Forward, we've covered a couple of these in the past. Yeah. And frankly, there hasn't been a lot for us to talk about out of them necessarily. Not typically. Yeah. And especially with Mario Plus Rabbids Sparks of Hope coming in October, it's it's so close now that I can't honestly imagine it would take up a lot of time considering we just got a presentation, specific presentation for it. I wouldn't expect too much news of this. And... Because of that, I wouldn't necessarily expect too much Nintendo news in general yeah. from the Ubisoft Forward. But as always, we will check it out. And as always, we would love nothing more than to be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I uh, I don't really have a whole lot of expectation going into this. I mean, we're going to watch it. We're going to see what happens. I do expect um, Sparks of Hope to sort of like show up. Like I expect it to show its face, you know, um, but but again, at that point, it'll be just barely a month from release. So maybe they'll just do like a little quick trailer. Maybe they'll re- do a little character reveal or something, but nothing massive. But we will certainly whatever happens, we will report on it. Whatever happens, we will definitely let you guys know, especially, especially if we do wind up being pleasantly surprised. Yeah. And honestly, in terms of notable releases this week. It's pretty much just Klonoa, right? <laughs> it really is. I we, we were talking about how it was basically just reaching critical mass toward the end of June with all the you know the stupid amount of releases to round out uh, E3 slash not E3 month. Right. But now here at the beginning of July, things have tapered off quite a bit. There's certainly some big games we are looking forward to, especially come the end of the month. A certain Xenoblade Schmonicles three. Yeah, it rhymes with Shmino Schmade Schmonicles 3. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that's coming out at the end of the month. But for right now, uh, I am very happy that Klonoa is running mostly unopposed this week. Hopefully, despite Konami's best efforts, or not Konami, Bandai Namco. despite Bandai Namco's, despite Bamco's best efforts, uh, hopefully we can go out and, and play through that and actually support the game that they tried to not let us support despite asking us to yeah support I don't don't get me on that tear again <laughs> but uh <laughs> but yeah clonoa is pretty much it it's basically unopposed if you're looking for something to play this week again uh pop on the eShop, download the demo give it a shot uh, I, I think if you're a kirby fan i think you'll find a lot to like there and um it's a special special series and i'm glad for for every negative thing i have to say about bandai namco's treatment of it i am very glad ultimately that it exists and i eagerly await my physical uh, version to come in from play Asia. That'll be great. Well, I mean, uh, Pac-Man museum plus the Pac-Man world, you know, repacked 
I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little happy with Bandai Namco in general this year. So we'll see if that keeps it going. And by the way, really quickly, uh, while we've been doing this, congrats to our friends over at Premium Edition Games. They just just announced Or Body Binders Tale. I think their first retro NES release. Oh, so cool. that's that should be pretty cool. Uh, the this fantastic mix of Mega Man and Contra. Okay. They say so. Uh, always nice to see uh, our friends and always nice to see the physical industry in general continuing to expand. Retro re-releases are becoming quite in vogue these days. And again, I think that's Premium Editions first. So if you're into stuff like that, check out Premium, uh, Premium Edition Games and or Body Binders Tale. Cool. Yeah, good for them. A little bit of breaking news here at the end of the news roundup. But uh, mm-hmm. Eric, do you hear that? Oh, we were we were in first. Why does it always have to happen when you're in first? It's a blue shell topic, baby. And we got a big one this week because Ugh. here in the kind of middle of the week, um, E3 announced that they're coming back. Um, they had sort of said already that they were planning to come back. Uh, but we didn't really know what it was going to look like, if it was even going to happen at all. A lot of people were sort of just already, you know, playing, uh, you know, playing Amazing Grace on the bagpipes and they were sort of, uh, you know, already sending it off as, as a, as, as a dead show. Um, but they're not dead at all. They're coming back and they're doing it with Reed Pop. It's really yes. interesting. There's kind of a lot to unpack here. Yes, and for those who don't know, Reed Pop. A lot of people have already made the PAX connection, but it's like it's not just PAX. They've made the PAX connection. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. Uh, these are the people behind New York Comic Con. Yeah, as well. These are not just some run of the mill, some you know Ivy. These are not some grass league right uh, event producers. These are these are major players within the events industry and i think it was a good move for e3 for any event really trying to uh, to stay afloat frankly in this day and age because obviously the world has changed especially when it comes to in-person events over the past couple years and even though the world has mostly kind of found its norm again it does really feel like things have changed forever in some respects. So if E3 was going to find a way to come back, I do think this was a good move for them. And I've got to say, I still like Jeff Keighley. I do. Yeah. But it, but it feels like even he's trying to keep me from doing that (laughs) because immediately after, immediately after, E3 announced that they were coming back as an in-person event for 2023. Immediately after that, Jeff Keighley tweeted out and says, and don't forget, Summer Game Fest coming back in 2023. We're going to have all this amazing stuff, blah, blah, blah. Like, like, are you serious, man? Yeah. So, I again, I still like Jeff Keighley, but some of the tactics that he's using to promote his own just seem like just super disrespectful. I agree. To me. No, I, yeah, so, I agree. But, and I say this, and we're going to get into a conversation about whether or not E3 should even come back, but, uh, but the, I mean, that kind of is the conversation because even before the pandemic, E3, like people were already questioning the validity of continuing to have an event 
like E3. Because E3 was different from a lot of other in-person events. It's right. different from like Comic-Con and Wizard World and a lot of other uh, and a lot of other in-person events because the primary purpose of E3 was for companies to announce and display their upcoming games for the next 12 years to journalists and basically their fan base to the people who were there at you know the at the event center however as digital direct presentations have become far more common to the point of being just universally ubiquitous for many companies now does e3 in its legacy format does it even make sense to ask companies to spend the money coordinating everything they need to coordinate for an in-person event to do these live reveals in front of people that could potentially go wrong to set aside so much money and assets and time for so many different people as opposed to just editing together a 20, 30, 40 minute presentation that they have full control over and takes a fraction of the time manpower. And you can guarantee nothing will go wrong because it's edited and it's not live. Does E3 even make sense anymore? It's interesting. Um, Yeah. I mean, so, and we've talked about this a little bit before too, because Nintendo obviously has sort of moved away from that structure in general. And what they'll typically do is they'll spend their money on having a floor presence. They're like, Hey, we'll display our games there. We'll do these big, you know, they've done, you know, famously huge breath of the wild and animal crossing and Mario displays and stuff. Um, and typically that is how Nintendo approaches E3, but you're right. Often a lot of people will sort of take the stage and do a live presentation. We're starting to see less and less of that. Um, and, I I think it's because of what you've said. I I think it's because of, yeah, why take that risk? Why spend that money when you could just, I mean, I think Nintendo sort of pioneered that with Nintendo directs. It's like, we can control this. We can do it more cheap and, um, you know, we can spend our money elsewhere. We can, we can afford, we can have the cachet and we can afford to do this a little bit differently and maybe spend our money in a way that makes more sense for us. Um, when it comes to live presentations, in general, though, I think that a lot of people feel like there's a certain energy to doing a live presentation that is different from like your typical Nintendo Direct or, you know, pre-recorded structure or whatever. There's a different like energy in the room, but I don't know how much that matters unless you're in the room, you know. Um, the ReadPop connection is very interesting because... Yes. I think it's really interesting that that Nintendo or sorry, the E3 has kind of advertised it as saying, hey, like, isn't this cool? We're partnering with the PAX people like literally in their tweet. They were like, they're like, it's the people behind PAX. And I just find that so funny that one day, like like a long time ago, E3 was the king of the video game, you know, conference. And now they're having to convince people that it's worth being excited about because we're partnering with the people that do the other conference. And to, to me, that's a little bit worrying, but it also means with ReadPop's involvement, I think what you're going to see is you're going to see a lot more of a public-focused presence versus a media-focused presence. 
Um, I don't know if that's a good thing or not, but all of the all of the pros and cons that come with that are going to come with that. I expect this to be geared towards you can buy a ticket to E3 and you can, isn't it awesome? You can go to E3. Well, here's the thing. Here is the corollary. E3 is blockbuster. The rise of digital direct marketing presentations like Nintendo Directs is Netflix. E3 worked for so long because, you know, there was no, there wasn't a better alternative to doing it that way. They were able to make a big carnival show of right. it. And that was the headline. If you wanted to get the headlines, if you wanted to be first with the information, you had to be there at the event. Right. It was of paramount importance for gaming journalists to be there, to pack that house. It was of paramount importance for people who consider themselves real gamers sure, to be there. But now there is a quote unquote better way. And I mean, I still, I still have very fond memories of going to Blockbuster on a Friday night. You know, it's not as good as hanging out with us on Friday nights, live on <laughs> twitch.tv slash all in podcast, but I still have very good memories of going to Blockbuster on a Friday night and getting a popcorn and a two liter and, you know, renting a VHS or a DVD and, and that being kind of like the family night, like there's a special energy to that that can't really be replicated, but it's hard for me to say that streaming services aren't a quote unquote better way. They're easier in many respects. They're cheaper. And I mean, convenience, especially as technology continues to evolve, convenience is going to continue to be the word of the day. It is better because it's easier. It is better because it's more convenient. It is better because it's cheaper. Yep. And that's what's going on. E3 is the old video rental company and these digital direct presentations and this streaming. I mean, it is, it is the Netflix. And whereas Blockbuster folded because it was not able to evolve, E3 as an event is in the exact same situation where it is going to have to evolve if it doesn't want to just die a death. If this 2023 presentation uh, that we're looking forward to next year isn't just going to effectively be E3's funeral. And one of the reasons that one of the reasons that makes E3 so unique and so different from things like New York Comic-Con and other shows like that is because people go to those to meet celebrities. People go to those to shop at the vendors and to see stuff because of that. That's the big draw. Like you're not going to those events because you're looking for news headlines. You're going to those events because of the event itself. And Sure, you can have announcements. You can have, you know, you can do whatever you want to do. But just like you said, Breedpop needs to put a massive focus on the event itself. You need to give people a reason to be there as opposed to just watching the trailers from the comfort of their own computer. And that's what I think E3 is going to need to do because Summer Game Fest, Summer Game Fest has worked the past couple of years because they've essentially reduced it to a series of digital direct presentations to day of the devs in future game show and the summer games, uh, the summer game fest kickoff show. Those are all like, it's a fully digital direct event. 
And E3 is coming back with an in-person event. They need to really establish themselves. They need to reestablish that event. They need to rebrand it. They need to reinvent it. It can still be centered around gaming. And again, you can have your announcements, but you have got to find ways to to get butts in seats. You've got to find a way to get people in the door. And I don't know how well demos of the newest games are going to do that. I don't know how well, you know, having massive celebrities there signing autographs is going to do it. With something like E3, I don't necessarily know how you rebrand it into a successful new thing. But if they just try to say, hey, we're just going to go back to what's worked in the past, then there will be no E3 2024. Yeah, it's it's going to it's going to depend on who they're able to get to play ball with them versus Summer Game Fest. Like that's that's really what it's going to boil down to. I think that somebody like Nintendo because Nintendo is such a traditional company because Nintendo historically hasn't worked with Summer Game Fest. I think that getting somebody like Nintendo on board is more likely with E3. Um again, there's just decades of shared history and things like that with Nintendo and E3. So I wouldn't actually be surprised to see Nintendo collaborate with E3. And and like, maybe that's enough. Like Nintendo is the biggest, you know, publisher in the world right now. Like that would be, if, if all of a sudden, if Nintendo was like, hey, we're going to air our direct in collaboration with E3, we're going to have demos for, you know, Breath of the Wild 2, like all this stuff that's like coming out at that time. Hopefully Breath of the Wild 2 is out before next E3. <laughs> but um, they're, they're going to have like demos for their upcoming Nintendo games. They're going to have like this big bombastic, you know, stage presence and, and things like that. But they're going to still do their normal direct. They're going to have tree houses and stuff. If they had that set up, maybe that would be enough. The problem is, is that you're not only going to spread everybody else more thin this way and make things even more messier than they already are because summer game fest, like that was kind of our big hope coming into this naughty three season is like, Oh, like E three's not here. Everybody's going to summer game fest or whatever. Maybe things won't be so messy. Well, they kind of still were. And there was still a million different shows to keep up with. It wasn't admittedly, it wasn't as bad as last year, but no, it wasn't. It was still pretty messy and still pretty annoying to keep track of. And um, and and I think that you're going to run into that again. I think it's going to be even worse because, again, there are just more plates spinning. It's going to be harder to keep track of. And if ReadPop is going to make this more public focused, you're not even going to have a lot of media interest because let's not forget the media is already very apprehensive about E3 due to the ESA hack, due to a lot of their personal information being leaked out. The, the media is already kind of looking at E3 with squinted eyes. And if you're saying, oh, by the way, media folks, you're going to have to fight off the public to get your hands on time with some of these games to be able to walk around the show floor. I've been to a ton of PAXs. I've been to a ton of events that ReadPop has run. And they're well-run events. But again, there's going to be a lot of people crammed in there. If they're going to open it up to the public, there's going to be a lot of bodies in the LA convention center. And I think that's going to turn the media off even more than they already are. We all, we all saw the videos from the anime expo from this past week. Yeah. So, and if you haven't, it, it was like just, it was standing room only. It was like the entire event center. Like there wasn't room. Literally there wasn't room to raise your hand. You're going to have 100,000 people in there. 
It you was know? insanely packed. But I mean, there there is a way to make this successful. Uh, you could have media specific events. You could have events that only media is allowed into. They will. And you know, you you know what? Here's my pitch. Get Nintendo on board. Prior to the Nintendo Direct, prior to the E3 2023 Nintendo Direct, hold the Nintendo 2023 World Championships. That'd be great. That'd be great. I think that'd be a ton of fun. And you predicated on after it's over, that's when we'll give you the Direct. You don't give a hard time for it. You'll just say that, you know, the Nintendo World Championships, they start at noon or whenever. And then after they're done, after the champion has been crowned in whatever events, if you want to do a uh, Splatoon 3 event, if you want to do, you know, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, if you want to do Mario Strikers or whatever they want to do for the Nintendo World Championships, once those events are done, you know, have them go on for a couple hours. Don't let them go on all afternoon, but have them go on for a couple hours. And then once they're done, just immediately go into your Nintendo Direct. Yeah, I think I think that would be a good way to drum up a lot of both public and journalistic interest, especially if because the last couple of times they've done the Nintendo World Championships, they've been pretty star studded, at least as far as, you know, gaming. Sure. The gaming world is star studded. They've had people like the Completionist and Austin Creed and a bunch of other high profile YouTubers and streamers. And and it was a ton of fun. And it was a ton of fun. It blows my mind that Nintendo doesn't coordinate something like this every year. But I think E3 2023 would be a good way to do that. I think you'd have to pay Nintendo a lot. But I think that would be money well spent. Because you're going to have you're gonna have to do something. You're going to have to spend money somewhere. I like what you said about the sort of internet personalities and the creators. And this is something that I've... Uh, that I've kind of um, talked about on the show before is I wish that Nintendo would collaborate with more creators and things and kind of like really prop these people up and kind of make them the, when, when Nintendo minute uh, was sort of shuttered, I, I think I talked about this on the show, like, you know, collaborate with people and, and get some of your Nintendo partners and, and the people that you're already working with, boost them up and have them do, you know, some of these events and things like that. I, I like the point of getting the creators on board. That's something that happens a lot at PAX. There are, you know, dude, I went to a PAX where Markiplier was there. And Mm -hmm. that dude, you would have thought it was Tom Cruise walking in the door. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I I mean, like the the sea of people who were lined up for hours and hours and hours to meet somebody like Markiplier. If If E3 comes out and they say like, hey, we've got this creator and that creator on board. We've got Nintendo on board. We're doing this massive event. There's going to be live mm-hmm. esports stuff. You're going to be able to meet some of these people and whatnot. That would be huge for the public. I, you know, and and yeah, media stuff is going to happen in private regardless. They're going to have their appointments. They're going to ha- have their you know behind closed doors demos and stuff. Um, but but I do think you're going to see some media being turned off and like like you were saying, like they're they're going to be faced with the do I. Like, do I just cover this from home on my laptop? Do I actually need to go to the event and like where it's standing room only and there's all these public, you know, people there? Do I need to bother with that? Or can I just go and like meet my appointments and otherwise cover it from my laptop in my hotel room, you know? So that it's going to be a really, really hard balance. I, I wish E3 all the best. It's going to be very hard to figure it out. But I do like those ideas. I do like the idea of having creators involved and having the... Because, I mean, dude... 
these YouTubers and Twitch streamers, I mean, these are the modern celebrity. I mean, these people have these people have a lot of pull with um with getting your getting eyes on things so that'd be cool to see i think they're gonna need to do something drastic like that get somebody like ninja or somebody in there yeah some of these huge you know youtubers twitch streamers you know get get them involved and uh and get their audiences excited about it you know yeah as as it was as it was, E3 no longer has a place in the gaming landscape. And it hurts me to say that it's, you know, because I've got so many fond memories of E3 throughout the years. But because of the rise of digital direct presentations and how many pros versus the cons yeah. that digital direct presentations give uh, AAA developers and publishers versus leaving all of that stuff up to, you know, the... <laughs> the the potential Murphy's law of live presentation and streaming stuff like that just makes sense. It does. But what E3 needs to do, I think is just, they need to, they need to turn themselves into the biggest party in gaming. Don't focus, you know, focus on individual announcements. Don't focus on, um, you know, just print like 30, 40 minute presentations where you're showing off three dozen games. Sure. You know, I have E3 be a much more, you know, focused, hyper-focused uh, announcement show. Center it more on the party and the events and stuff. You can still like, if Nintendo becomes your title sponsor or your marquee guest or right. whatever, they can still do their Nintendo Direct. But focusing on having the headlines be the dozens and dozens of games that are shown off, that's not going to work for E3 anymore. It's just not because that's not going to happen anymore. But if you can turn yourself into kind of a big collection of individual events, uh, you know, like publishers do events based around single games a lot. Yeah. Uh, NetherRealm did a really good one based around the launch of Mortal Kombat 11 and they invited a ton of media and streamers and personalities out to go check it out and there are individual events based around single games collect those into E3 let that be E3 a bunch of individual hyper-focused events have parties and games and swag and celebrities who are signing autographs and booths where you can buy like exclusive merch, like have just a ton of E3 2023 exclusive merch, good E3 2023 exclusive merch, turn it into a huge, huge party, you know, still have the demos, you know, just there, there's a ton of stuff that they need to do to evolve the event. And I really, really hope they do because E3 is dead. Long live E3. <laughs> I like that. Well, you, you, uh, I mean, they're partnered with the right people because what you've described it just is packs. Like that's, you know, that, that is the pack strategy. It's a party, you know? And, um, and look, if, if they, if they basically are just planning to turn E3 into like mega packs, then maybe, maybe that's what needs to happen. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it works out, but either way, I, I want nothing but the best for E3. Um, E3's got decades of history. It's, it's still special to me. I don't want to see it go away. I want to see it evolve for the better. And, um, yeah, yeah. I think we've, I think we've thrown some good ideas out. Doug Bowser's writing those down. You know, I hope so. He'll pass them along. No, 
He's he's putting his Lego Bowser together on his desk as we speak. Oh, he better. He's, he's, he must have one of those on his desk. <laughs> Do you see him tweet it out? He's like, I need to, I need to make some room on my desk. Yeah. So that's, the, that's what he's doing right now is he's not even listening to us. He's putting together his little <laughs> Lego Bowser as we speak right now. <laughs> and it's going to take him so long. Like as we're speaking live on twitch.tv and as you're listening to this in podcast form, he's still just making it. <laughs> he spent that much time on it. <laughs> Well, that's all right. He can he can take all the time he needs. That's that's yes, more time to think about E three. <laughs> yes, yes. But we've got a year to wonder about what it's going to look like. We will certainly all see what E three twenty twenty three looks like uh, next June. But what are your guys' thoughts? Let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook at All In Podcast. Reach out to us on Twitter at All In Podcast. Come join the conversation and join the Hunters Guild yes. over on our Discord channel check out everything we have going on at youtube.com slash all in podcast on twitch.tv slash all in podcast where i don't know if we've mentioned it yet but we actually do live (laughs) news broadcasts here on twitch.tv slash all in podcast uh every friday night at eight eastern time thank you so much to everybody who has joined us live tonight Thank you so much for everybody hanging out, listening to us go over the week in Nintendo news. But if you're not able to, if you're not able to show up Fridays, or if you were out watching Thor Love and Thunder last (laughs) night, if you can only get the podcast form, you should definitely get it in podcast form, which you can find us on, on Anchor and iTunes and Google Play and Spotify and just all the places, just all the places, all of them, just all of them. And if you like what we're doing over here at All In... Guys, we'd really appreciate it if you consider becoming a patron. Yes. Over on patreon.com slash all in podcast, there are a bunch of tiers, a bunch of things to look at, a bunch of exclusive content, including a whole other dang podcast that we do called All In Side Quest. And uh, we're having a ton of fun over there and we appreciate everybody's support over there. But Eric... If they can't support us on Patreon, uh, Patreon, we completely understand. We appreciate everybody's support. There's a way that they can support us entirely for free. Really? How's that, Seth? By dropping some words over on iTunes, over on Podchaser, and on Audible, you can leave a five-star written review entirely for free. And over on Spotify, you can leave us a five-star rating. And if you do that, we will shout you out here on the show. And uh, it is the best way, the best free way, entirely free, easy-to-do way to support us and get our little show in front of the people who need to hear it. And uh, we super, super appreciate that. We do. We really, really appreciate you guys. Again, our community is just continuing to grow. We have such, we have so many amazing friends and so many amazing members within our community. We genuinely feel blessed for all of you who've become patrons. Thank you for all of us or for all of you who have left us reviews and all of you who just come hang out with us every weekend and make us part of your Saturday rotation. We just want to say namaste. Namaste indeed, Eric. And you know, I know we were talking earlier about the new Splatoon 3 Switch OLED, but it it, mm-hmm. it really is kind of a lost art. These these limited edition consoles, having a themed console is something that you don't see a whole lot of anymore, which is why I think that is kind of such a special thing to have on the horizon. And um, there are a lot of good ones in Nintendo's history. <laughs> yeah, uh, as a matter of fact, when they unveiled that 
Thor Love and Thunder, like Mjolnir Xbox yeah. Series X Special Edition. Yeah. I specifically thought, it's like, you know, it's been a long time since we've had a really good, really good Nintendo Special Edition. And then, of course, this week happened. But, you know, between all that, it certainly got us thinking about some of the really, really good Special Edition consoles that Nintendo has had in its decades long of creating them. You know, there's a few really, really special special editions out there. Some really memorable special edition, limited edition consoles. And we are going to count down the absolute best this week in our top five. So, Eric, the top five most specialist special editions in Nintendo history. What are the rules? Well, we're talking about special edition consoles. For Mm -hmm. this top five, they have to be officially produced products. Officially licensed, officially released for sale by Nintendo. We are not talking about custom one-off or like, you know, cool little display models, anything like that. We may do a top five in regards to that some other day, possibly, if you all are nice. But for this top five, we are specifically talking about special edition consoles officially licensed and sold by Nintendo. And getting into my number five, my number five starts us off in the handheld market with the 2DS XL. You know, I was never really a fan of the normal 2DS. It was just it was just kind of weird and square and both of the screens were exposed. You couldn't fold. But I really, really liked the 2DS XL. I thought that was a really nice, slim package. But when they turned it into a Pokeball, <laughs> oof. Oof. My number five is the Pokeball 2DS XL. That's a really good one. I, I really kind of actually, you know, I got my nephew a 2DS, a, a normal 2DS, and I was shocked at how comfortable it was to hold. Like, it's just yeah. this little, like, slice of cake, basically, like a little door wedge 2DS. And, um, but, but you're right. Like, having, going back to that sort of like clamshell design with the 2DS XL and like having the, you know, the, the iconic Pokeball imagery emblazoned on it, it, you know, it's a gorgeous little device. It's really a testament to less is more. So many special editions, not just in Nintendo, throughout all of gaming. There are so many special editions that are just the console with some type of artwork on it. Yeah. You know, whether it's, you know, black on white or whether it's some kind of minimalist design or, you know, just something. Some kind of artwork just decal slapped onto the side of the console. But that's not what was done here. They actually textured the top of the 2DS, the top of the handheld itself. And in the middle was a button, an actual pressable button. Now, the button didn't really do anything. It was just there kind of for show, but it was still a really cool touch. It was an actual Pokeball, this bright red and yellow, basically flattened out Pokeball that you could actually press the middle of. It was incredibly comfortable to hold. It was it was just an incredibly striking uh, handheld design. Yeah, it's a really good one. And and like I said, I I was a little bit apprehensive about just even the notion of a two DS at all. Mm-hmm. But um, but I mean, fair play to them. You know, they they really made it work. And it, it is funny too. Another thing we should say uh, coming into this is 
like, of course we are aware that the standard um, new Nintendo 3DS did have the capability to sort of make your own themed special editions and whatnot. But uh, but that's not oh, yeah. that's not what we're talking about. That's cheating. We're no. not going to go that route. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, going into my number five, you know, I love the Nintendo DSi. Um, mm-hmm. it, it may be just in terms of form factor, in terms of how it feels to hold. Maybe my favorite version of the DS, that matte finish. I, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for the DSi. And my favorite... Guaranteed to absorb just all of your sweat. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because like I don't know, there's just like I love that texture. Like I love the way that yeah. felt to hold in the hand. And um I I had to I absolutely had to pick up me being a massive Kingdom Hearts fan when Kingdom Hearts 358 over 2 mm-hmm. days came out. Um I was working at GameStop at the time and I had to pick up the special edition Kingdom Hearts DSi which is a really like classy looking device. They it, it, honestly, like it looks like a Louis Vuitton bag, like the, <laughs> the designer. You're actually not wrong. You know, I'm think <laughs> I'm thinking about it now and I'm like, Oh no, he's right. Like I can actually see a coach tag or something on the top. Yeah. Of it. If you added some handles to the top, you could probably com- convince somebody it was a handbag. Yeah. Which, which I, I kind of love that about it. Like it really felt like a premium, product like getting it out of the box and seeing like it's emblazoned with a bunch of logos and sort of a checkerboard pattern yep. you know and it's got kingdom hearts there embossed on the front it's just a gorgeous gorgeous device just sleek black and silver and um i i just i loved it i i like i said i already loved the dsi but having that sleek professional look onto it i mean like i i always loved pulling that thing out of my pocket and i got a lot of compliments when I worked at GameStop and people would come in, they would see me playing on that one. There was a lot of people who were like, oh, that's a cool DS. Yeah. <laughs> was a cool DS. I can vouch for that. <laughs> uh, I man, I do love the DSi. I can't, uh, I can't even ballpark the number of 200 by 150 pixel pictures that I took on that thing. <laughs> for my number four, we're actually staying in the handheld world for a little while longer, but with a handheld that... I'm pretty sure most of you have completely forgotten about. You know, we think of special edition Nintendo consoles. There's probably a few console families that immediately come to mind. I'm sure for a lot of you, the Game Boy Micro wouldn't immediately pop into your head. And you know what? That's fair, considering that in the West, we didn't really get the benefit of this console or this game that it was based off of. But if you happen to be running around eBay, if you happen to be doing a Google search, I urge you to check out my number four, the Game Boy Micro Mother 3 Special Edition. If you happen to have about $1,200 laying around. Exactly, yeah. (laughs) If you happen to have about, you know, $1,200 to $1,500 just lying around (laughs) somewhere, go ahead and check this out. But the Game Boy Micro, for those who don't know or don't remember, was I mean, it was basically just like it was basically just the size of a thumbstick on steroids. It was basically just a large thumbstick. It almost yeah. looked like a handle of something bigger. It was incredibly small little handheld console, hence the name. And it was very short lived. It's technically in the Game Boy Advance family. 
but but it's just such a weird rectangular design. They tried to go as small as they could with it, but it is just it was just kind of weird. But it stayed around long enough to give us this gorgeous red reflective Mother Three. Uh, special edition that came with actually came with a metallic Franklin badge yeah. as well. That was so cool. But just just that red reflective surface just looks it just looks incredibly metallic. It's got this sheen to it that just looks really really clean. Yeah, it's a pretty one. I I really like that that color of red. It's that sort of mm-hmm. red that is associated with with that game. You know, just really yeah. does convey that game. Yeah, just like this, just deep crimson color. It's just a, like red. There's something about the color red with us human beings, and the red that this console is triggers every single one of those emotions. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good pick. Um, going into my number four, this one is we're we're actually going slightly modern. Um, and this is one that I <laughs> I actually have in my house, though it isn't mine. Um, it's my wife's. My number four is the Animal Crossing New Horizons Switch. <laughs> nice. Very I, nice. I get jealous of her with this one every time I see her play it. Now, granted, I have the nice like Switch OLED and everything, so I'm not envious of the screen. However... The colorway on this thing, on those Joy-Cons, is gorgeous. I love those colors. Um, that sort of like mint green that's, and that like kind of seafoam mm-hmm. blue. I, the pastel, yeah. I love it. I love it. And then the back of it, it's not really a white color. It's kind of like an off-white or sort of a cream color. And like eggshell. Yeah, it, it's really beautiful. And, you know, of course, you've got Animal Crossing design work. It's really fun to look at the back of that switch because it's got a lot of little characters emblazoned on the back. And uh, it's it's kind of fun to pick out. I'm like, oh, hey, that's Gulliver. And, you know, that's this character and that's that character. Um, and then same thing on the dock where you've got, you know, Tom Nook and the Nooklings set up there with that that kind of core artwork and um, it's just a really beautiful console. And it's actually one that you can find fairly readily when it came out. It was, um, it was hard to find, but now you can actually find it fairly readily now. And um, the, I I even love the joy con straps that it comes with. Like I just, Mm -hmm. it's just beautiful. I really wish that Nintendo would sell joy cons separately. Like, if I could buy those Joy-Cons on their own, direct from Nintendo, I absolutely would, and throw them on my OLED. Like, that that would be spectacular. I just love those colors. Well, you know, Captain can bring them, you know, over to you. <laughs> Although, they, they would probably drift even more than the other ones. <laughs> I see what you did there. <laughs> I Look... If if I could convince my wife to to let me have them and or like trade me for some of my Joy-Con, I totally would. But she she would never do that in a million years. <laughs> well, I've got to say, I really like my Animal Crossing Limited Edition Switch. So, uh, well, I, I guess my villager really likes it <laughs> since it's in, since it's in his house. But that's fair. But you know, I I still get to have fun with it occasionally. I get to run up to it and 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 boop it, and and something happens <laughs> with it within the game. I'm sure, but no, it is it is a really good console and perfect, perfectly uh, placed releasing with Animal Crossing: New Horizons back in March 2020. Mm-hmm. 
But going into my number three, I'm going to stick within the handheld market for just a couple more minutes. For just a couple more minutes, I promise. But it'll be worth it. Because for my number three, I'm talking about the creme de la creme of handheld special editions. At least in my opinion. There's been some really, really good ones. And arguably, Nintendo's handheld market has had more memorable special editions than their console market. Oh, yeah. But for me, you know what? There were some really good retro editions with the 3DS. There was a really cool Super Nintendo 3DS XL, a really cool one. But I just couldn't bring myself to pick it over the NES-inspired Game Boy Advance SP. It's a really good one. Yeah. That's a really good really good little special edition console that was a christmas gift to me that was a holiday gift to me way way back in 2006 i think (laughs) but uh but it's it's emblematic of the nes two separate ways when it's closed because the game boy advance sp for those who don't know was basically the flip phone version of the game boy advance right when the game boy advance leveled up it turned into it turned into basically a flip phone, the precursor to what would eventually become the DS design, essentially. But it became this little flippable square. And when it was closed, the NES uh, Game Boy Advance SP actually kind of had the markings and the look of a closed NES console. It was specifically designed to be reminiscent of a closed NES gray box. However, when you open it up, the control pad was black and textured just like the original NES controllers. It still had that black kind of sandpaper-esque finish on it that was used on the NES consoles. And the buttons were red and the D-pad was black. Oh, it was just, it was perfect. A perfect throwback to the NES back on the Game Boy Advance SP. Nintendo certainly loves it some nostalgia. They certainly love to go retro with a lot of things, but that was that was pitch perfect. And in my opinion, the best of the handheld special editions. Yeah, it's it's really good. I uh, I, I like that one a lot too. And um, there's certainly you know going to be more handheld special editions on my list as well. Um, <laughs> I mean, going into my number three, it's another one. It's another handheld special edition. My number three is the Metal Slime 3DS LL. Gotta mm. say, gotta, gotta say LL um, because this is a Japan exclusive. Um, you cannot get this in the States. Uh, it was released as a sort of bundled tie-in. It came with a copy of Dragon Quest XI on the yep. 3DS. Um, and for those who haven't, who have never seen this, it is this beautiful, sleek, black system with Dragon Quest imagery emblazoned on it. But chiefly, and and most importantly, half of the top screen of the back of the top screen has been overtaken by an actual metal liquid slime. <laughs> it's beautiful. Like they they actually and like it kind of has like a little rounded top for the slime's head. Like it it literally looks like a metal slime has come into the physical realm and like just come out of your game and overtaken half of your 3DS. Like it's so cool. I I have never personally owned one. Uh, our friend Matt Shy Guy City has one. Um he actually wound up importing it. 
And um, I, I have always wanted one because I just love the way that thing looks. I'm a new Dragon Quest fan, but I've always loved the sort of, you know, the Akira Toriyama imagery of Dragon Quest. The slimes are obviously iconic. Um, mm-hmm. I just love the way that system looks, man. Like, I, I've, I've always wanted to have one. If, if there were any sort of, like, Japanese exclusive um, console that I'd want to have, it, it would be that. And Japan gets all kinds of, because Dragon Quest is, is practically a religion in Japan. Um, <laughs> they get all sorts of dragon, of exclusive Dragon Quest merch. There's a switch controller that came out there that just is a slime for the Nintendo switch. Yeah. Like yeah, Dragon Quest is life as you know, obviously a, a huge portion of our fan base are all hardcore gamers that have been so for a long time. I'm sure a lot of us remember the stories, uh, remember hearing about how it was illegal to release a Dragon Quest game on a weekday in Japan because of the impact it would have on the economy and the mass truancy that would happen. Yeah. Yeah. Just people aren't, aren't going to show up for work. Like if you're exactly if you're gonna release a Dragon Quest game in Japan, it's like okay, cool. You you better give me the day off, or I'm just not gonna come in. Um, yeah, it it is it is on another level, and uh, the the merchandise release there, including this this console, um, is appropriate for for how iconic it is. But going into my number two, it's actually a console. It's a home console. Uh oh, it's not handheld. Actually, I guess in my actually, I guess it is still kind of a handheld. I guess it is still kind of handheld, which I guess is a giveaway for the generation that we're talking about. (laughs) And I have thought a lot about this in the past couple of days, ladies and gentlemen, I really have. I have done some soul searching and in preparation for this list, both Seth and I have looked over basically every limited edition, special edition console Nintendo has ever released. Yeah. All that being said, no joke, I'm prepared to say that the Splatoon 3 Switch OLED model is my second favorite special edition of all time. Wow, man. It's just, and I know I said this in the, I know I said this in the news, but it is fresh with a capital fresh. Man, does it look good. One of the things that turned me off a lot uh, about so many of the other Switch special editions was a lot of the artwork just kind of seemed thrown onto it. Sure. It was just like, oh, we've got the back of the console. We'll just throw a couple things on the back. You know, you've got some stuff on the uh, the charging station that in many Uh, Many of the special editions just kind of seemed awkwardly thrown on there. I was close to picking up the, I was close to picking up the Super Smash Brothers Ultimate special edition because I thought that looked really cool, but it just wasn't enough for me. I didn't think they went far enough. And then the Splatoon 3 Switch OLED edition was shown off this week and man, just the way the colors blend into each other on the Joy-Cons, the pink into the purple, the green into the yellow, the fact that every inch that's not part of the screen, every inch of the back of both the system itself and every inch of the charging station is just covered with artwork, like a like just graffiti completely covering the wall. 
And then you've got, you know, just this black matte textured art over all of it. But then they're like just this green Nickelodeon slime spurt just sticking out perfectly. And the little suction cups on the backs of the joy pads, both there to add even more flavor to it. And they're in kind of a interesting little ergonomic design choice. But just the beautiful blending colors, the fact that every inch of it is covered in just beautiful Splatoon 3 artwork, just the charging station, the black against the green splat of, of ink. It's just, it's so good. Every piece of it is so good. Ironically enough, I wasn't that enamored with the Pro Controller. I honestly wasn't that enamored with the Pro Controller, but the yeah. console itself is is stunning i have to this day over five years later i still have a day one switch and i mean day one i bought it within the first 20 minutes of that store opening and i've been playing on my same switch for the past five years i have looked at every new switch that's come out i have looked at the oled when it was released and even that didn't really get me back into the the hardware market but I saw this Wednesday morning and immediately said to myself, that's my next console. Wow, man. That's awesome. Like, I'm, I'm glad that resonated so much for you. That's another one where I'm like, sell me those Joy-Cons separately. I will buy them. Yes. The, just the Joy-Cons. Just, again, the colors. Yeah. Everything looks so gorgeous because of all the black against these bright colors. Just that contrast. is It just makes everything so much, just that much more striking. It, it didn't really work with the Splatoon 2 switch for me because it was just the Joy-Cons, like that was the whole point is it was just a different color, different set of Joy-Cons. Right. But adding in all the extra little visual flares. And again, I know I've said it three times already, but just the color blending on the Joy-Cons is, oh my God, it's gorgeous. It's absolutely gorgeous. I do love the color blending. I'm I'm probably going to pick up the Pro Controller. Admittedly, I do wish that they had brought that color blending that you see on the Joy-Con into, yeah, into the handles of the Pro Controller. That would have really sold it nicely. But um, but yeah, I think that does a lot of uh, a lot of good. Like they're they're certainly the prettiest Joy Cons I think, um, yeah. visually that they've done so oh, far. Yeah. It's not even remote. Like number two is not even close for me in terms of my favorite Joy-Cons now. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good, man. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for you to pick that pick that up and uh, and join mm-hmm. the OLED, the OLED gang. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I can play on the OLED screen for five seconds and then wind up just putting it back in the charging station and playing on the TV like I always do. I bet you that is going to make you want to play handheld more. I bet you. <laughs> I will. hope it does. I hope it does. I really yeah. do. Yeah. It's gorgeous. But anyway, that's another conversation for another time. <laughs> um, my going into my number two, this one was my, my one, two and three really. I knew from the outset, the second we were doing this list, my number two is a very, very special system to me. It's one that I still have. Um, it is the Zelda limited edition Game Boy Advance SP. Um, the the golden one that has the Triforce emblazoned on the top yep. of it. Um, it's it's beautiful, and I th- that was one that I got when I was a kid when it first came out. I want to say, yeah, okay. I actually I, I have a, a hard time remembering if it came with 
it either came with a link to the past uh, DX or it came with Minish Cap. I can't remember which one, but it was bundled with one of them. I want to say it was linked to the past. And um, anyway, it's just this beautiful, you know, again, Triforce Emblazoned Golden GBASP. When you open it up, it's got the Hylian Crest inside of it. Um, it's it's immaculate. It's it's just a beautiful, beautiful system. Like I said, I still have one. I actually got it modded. Um, so weirdly, this was the last GBASP um, that that came out before they had the improved backlit screen mm-hmm. that where you could actually adjust the brightness and things. That was the last one that came out before then. So I actually had this one that I have now modded to include a a new backlit screen on it. So it's just beautiful, and um, I, I love it. It's it's very special to me. I have a lot of nostalgia for this console, and and you all know how much I love Zelda, so I'm sure that plays a part in it. There have been a ton of beautiful Zelda special edition things going from the Wind Waker Wii U to the Majora's yeah. Mask and Ocar of Ta- Ocarina of Time 3DSs. I was going to say, I was actually going to say, I, I almost thought the Majora's Mask 3DS was it's because pretty. I know how much you love Zelda. But I guess that childhood nostalgia, I guess that childhood love does kind of... By the way, it was Minish Cap. It came It with. was Minish Cap. Okay, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, Minish Cap. So, and, you know, and, and just a really special time. The GBSP is a really special system to me. And uh, I just love looking at it. Like, I, it, it's just pretty. Like, I, I just... It's gorgeous. And I love how, like you mentioned earlier, how compact you know, the SP was and like flipping it over is like this little flip phone. I love that the Triforce takes up like 90% of that thing. <laughs> like you yeah. just are holding this square that is like 90% Triforce. It, it feels like you're holding it in your hand. Uh, yeah, I love it. I could gush about it all day. Um, oh yeah. But anyway, before getting into the, the cream of the crop, do we have some honorable mentions? Uh, we do have a couple. Yes. I'm just going to shout out like, I don't know if they were necessarily special edition, mm. but the billion different see-through colors that they released the Nintendo 64 in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like the hot orange and the, you know, the see-through green apple the and green the atomic one. purple. Yeah. The yeah. green one was my favorite. Yeah. By the way, I might have put the Atomic Purple Game Boy Color on here if it was actually like a special edition, but it right. wasn't. It was just like an alternate color. It wasn't really, you know, that unique or really tied to anything. But I still love the Atomic Purple see-through Game Boy Color. I do too. I but, have one. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do too, actually. I have that and uh, Pokemon Crystal. But they did that with every color of the rainbow for the Nintendo 64. You could actually, like, I've seen people that have, like, an entire rainbow collection of mm-hmm. C3 and 64s. It's actually really cool. I also do really like the 25th anniversary Mario DSi. Yes. I thought that was really cool. Yes, I love that one. It's gorgeous. It's got the, the, it, oh man, it has the, it's got the mushroom logo one. It's got a couple different Mario logos on it. It's not really, you know, super intricate, but again, very minimalist, you know, it's very really much classy. less is more. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just got this classic kind of iconic kind of design to it. Not much, but what's there I think is handled incredibly well. 
Yeah, it, it was it was almost as if it was like just it's literally just missing like an embossed like Shigeru Miyamoto autograph or something, you know, like, yeah, it, that's all it's missing. You know, <laughs> that actually would have been kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So one that I definitely wanted to shout out. This is another one. It's disqualified from the list. It isn't technically a special edition, but in Japan, there's a colorway for the GameCube that is by far my favorite colorway for the GameCube, and it's the Spice Orange GameCube. Only in Japan, it's this just beautiful, bright orange GameCube. I love the way it looks. I I don't know why it didn't get a wide release. Um, you can get them online. You can order them. And uh, and someday I might, because in Japan, these are, they're commonplace. Like, you could get them, you know, anywhere. They aren't rare. Yeah. But uh, but they weren't sold here. And uh, And again, it's not a limited edition. It's just an orange GameCube. I just I just love the way that looks. And I love the way the controller looks in orange. Oh, it's gorgeous. I I did think about the like the Panasonic or whatever, like the karaoke box GameCube. Oh yeah. Whatever that was. Yeah, that weird thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the deal was with that, but but yeah, shout out to the Spice Orange GameCube. Again, I, I know like I, I do have a soft spot in my heart for the purple or even silver. GameCube, but um, but yeah, number one with a bullet for me is the Spice Orange one. Um, yep. Another one that is disqualified from the list because it wasn't available for a wide sale, but I did just want to shout it out, is the McDonald's DSi. Oh, um, yes. Which, the training uh, DSi. Yeah, yeah the, the uh, McDonald's E-Crew development program game, which I've talked about on the show before. Um, in Japan for a little bit of time there for a couple of years, uh, Nintendo and McDonald's had a collaboration where they gave them custom DSIs that <laughs> their employees would train on with a, with, with a game that was made specifically for McDonald's. And the game is actually really high quality. Like, with really high quality, like, 3D models on the DSi, um, with fully original, like, chiptune music that is really good, um, I actually sampled it in my Goomba uh, video for Behind uh, Enemy Lines, which I, I don't know if many people pick up on some of the weird musical references I put in those videos. Um, but but yeah, it's it's gorgeous. And so the DSi has got the McDonald's logo like embossed on the top of it, and it's like sleek black, and uh, it's really pretty. It's really <laughs> I pretty. I want to play that game so badly. Yeah, yeah. Look, I'm loving it. That's all I got to say. That's all I got to really? say. really (laughs) it was right there i had to take it um but i also this is one that i think a lot of people probably had growing up but the the various pokemon game boy colors um oh yeah there was yeah there was a couple of them yeah i i had to shout that out i i had one of them i want to say it was one that came out around the time of gold and silver it had i think pikachu and pichu on it um yeah they kind of just had that like over like kind of like on the outside edge of the screen. And um, I mean, yeah, any, any way that you could have something related to Pokemon with you at all times was a win in my book. (laughs) Well, see, when it comes to Pokemon or when it comes to special console editions, it really feels like half of them throughout Nintendo history have been Pokemon themed. Oh yeah. In some regard. Just everything, everything since that franchise came out, there's been all kinds. Uh, There was an XD Gale of Darkness GameCube special edition. There's been all kinds, 
all kinds of Pokemon special handheld editions with uh, Dialga and Palkia. And I've actually got like the, the 3DS that I own right now is from Sun and Moon. It's the black with silver Solgaleo and Lunala on it. That's the 3DS that I own right now. There's so many oh, Pokemon you can special bet. editions. When Scarlet and Violet come out, you can bet there's going to be a Pokemon special edition for that. I'm just saying. Oh, no. I yeah. think, yeah. <laughs> but, oh, no, I think you're right. I really hope it's not better than this. Platoon It'll probably be a light. But, It'll probably be a light. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But regardless, especially speaking of Pokemon, when Seth and I were talking about doing this list, the first thing that immediately came to both of our minds mm-hmm. was one console. So much so that when we were talking about doing this list, the very first question that was asked is, what are we going to do about the Pikachu in 64? We we both knew that that would have to be yeah. our shared number one. Like, yeah. there was no way that wasn't our number one. That is still, to this day, the coolest special edition ever produced. Period. It is. Similarly to a couple of the other ones that we've talked about, it was pretty simple. It was just a Pikachu and a Pokeball with blue and yellow. It wasn't too intricate. It wasn't necessarily super detailed, but it was just perfect. Pokemon came out and it was a phenomenon. And Nintendo, despite not having a core Pokemon game on consoles, decided to release, decided to re-release a new version of their Nintendo 64 with Pikachu taking up basically half of the console. Yeah, they, they basically had to extend the console by like 40% just to like put Pikachu on there. It's it's actually like a different mold. It's not just let's yeah. slap, you know, Pikachu onto this thing. Like they actually had to create an entirely different mold for this console. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't just some artwork slapped on the side of a box. This isn't even just adding some texture to the top or to the side. They created an actual brand new mold for a console, for this console specifically. Pikachu is not just, you know, it's not just some pop-up book or something. Pikachu is actually molded directly into the console itself, and it looks fantastic it's simple but it looks fantastic it's so good uh just the yellow pikachu on top of a big blue matte top if you've ever seen the back of a pokemon card that yellow and that blue are the dual colors of this console and uh, there's a couple other details that really just drive home how unbelievably and almost obnoxiously cute the whole thing is one of them is the fact that Pikachu's right foot is the reset button. If you want to reset, you actually have to boop Pikachu's foot. That that that's S tier. That's godlike. Best console of all time. Yeah, that that's an amazing touch. Like, yeah, you, you have the blue and the yellow colorways. You have the. I mean, even like the slot that the cartridge goes in is yellow. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got the you, you you boop Pikachu's foot to reset the console. Pikachu's cheeks light up. Which, like, come on. Like, <laughs> that is amazing. The power switch is a Pokeball. Yep. The, uh, the a, comp- a Pokeball, which similarly is molded yes. directly into the box as well. Yes. They didn't just place, like, a Pokeball sticker on the standard power switch. It is a Pokeball. 
the controller that it comes with has got the it's another mm-hmm. it's blue and yellow comes with, it has that pokemon logo on it. It, it it is perfect it, like it is just perfect and i mean to say nothing of the fact that it was bundled with the greatest pokemon game of all time hey you pikachu <laughs> <laughs> if anybody can find a working nintendo 64 mic let me know I'm sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually, sure. Actually, I take that it. back. If anybody can get that mic to actually get Pikachu to do what you want in Hey You Pikachu, let me know. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But I mean, just just what a gorgeous console. What a great idea. Like just just the perfect representation of what we always talk about with Pokemon in the '90s. Like that that is that is the perfect way to represent Pokemon to all of us. Everybody wanted that console. Oh like, yeah. Everybody wanted that. That was that was instant clout. You could have been the geekiest, most ostracized person in school. If people found out you had that, the next day you were the coolest person in the hallway. I still want one. Like if I do, too. there there's several several hundred dollars. But like if I ever came into like just superfluous money, that would be one of the first things I buy. <laughs> Like I don't want to go full Logan Ryan or anything, but if I ever got one, I'm I may consider like emblazoning it in resin or something, just trying to preserve you know, it. preserve it. Yeah, exactly. I, oh I, I. man, I just going over. I never personally was able to. I was never that cool as a kid, and arguably still as an adult. But <laughs> the few times I was able to play on one, honestly, half of the time I wasn't even playing the game. I was just marveling, legit just marveling at the console itself. It was just that cool. Yeah, they, it they is had that um, cool. It is. They had at PAX South one year, they had a little like Pokemon display piece that had one of them in there. Mm. And uh, like literally like behind glass and stuff. And it's just, uh, it's beautiful. It's a sight to behold. Uh, oh, so good. I'm going to try not to spend all my money on eBay after this episode's over. But <laughs> you got you have an OLED to buy. You can't be yes, spending your I money do. like that. Yeah, I'm absolutely that's absolutely <laughs> happening. 1000%. I'm finally getting a new Switch console here soon. But what about you guys? Are you one of the cool kids? Do you are you one of the lucky few that actually has a Pikachu in 64? Let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook, Twitter, join the conversation over on uh Discord. Let's talk about your favorite special edition Nintendo consoles, let us know. And, you know, it is nice that here, even after E3 is done and June has passed us by that insane month of presentations and announcements and insanity, it's nice that we can still find reasons to celebrate. Nintendo dropped that awesome new console reveal on us, you know, as as I... Many people wanted it to be the Switch Pro, but we've already talked about that. We've already talked about that. But glad that they were able to still give us some really cool news. And I mean, talking about celebrations, yesterday was National Video Game Day, Seth. Yeah, or was it Video Games Day? (laughs) I was going to say September. Not to be confused with Video Games Day. There's a huge Mm -hmm. difference, of course. Uh, One of them is a singular holiday; the other one's a plural holiday. Yes. We'll get back to on what that actually means for the holidays themselves. But yes, yesterday was specifically video game day. And ironically enough, we were low-key confused on really what to do about that for the episode. Because, I mean, 
everything we do is video game themed. How do you specifically theme a video game variety show around the general topic of video games? But then it kind of hit us. We'll play a video game about video games. All right, buckle up, ladies and gentlemen. It's about to get meta up in here. Our indie showcase this week is There Is No Game, Wrong Dimension. All right, folks, this is something we have never done before and we may never do again, but don't listen to this indie showcase. If you <laughs> there, there there is no indie showcase. Uh, there's no game, which means there is subsequently no game to do an indie showcase on. Therefore, the final segment of our episode today is here by Moot. We are going to be playing. We're going to be ending the episode by simply playing half an hour of uh, Beethoven's Second <laughs> of, Chys- of Tchaikovsky uh, Nutcracker exactly. uh, Symphony. No, I and what I mean by that is this is a game that has been recommended to me for a long time, and unilaterally, everybody that has recommended it to me said, "Go in knowing nothing." And now that I've played it, I know why that was told to me, and so I'm going to say the same thing to you. Play this game knowing nothing beforehand. Trust me on that. Yes. So if you have never played this game before, just know beforehand that we fully endorse it. Yes. More so than many of the games that we've actually featured in indie showcases before. We wholeheartedly endorse this game. It is absolutely fantastic. And anything beyond this point is uh, anything beyond this point is is up to you it's your fault if you stick around that's all i can say yeah well so so that's the thing is like we're we're not going to get into like overt spoilers but i i genuinely think you should know literally nothing about this game before you go in so you know look it's the final segment of the show if you haven't played it yet go buy it it's worth it trust me and it's a game yeah. that i feel comfortable recommending to genuinely everybody there are not many games that i can say this about there is no game wrong dimension i think can be enjoyed by anybody um and and we're going to get into that but go play it come back later after you've played it um, because, because again, it's a very, very special game, but, but go in as blind as you possibly can, please. Uh, it is so worth it. I wholeheartedly endorse that. That's what I did. And I am so very glad that I did. This is just a special little game. It's actually, even after that disclaimer, it's still going to be a little difficult for us to talk about, Yeah, but We've given you guys enough warning now, Seth. Let's just get into it. Let's let's try to talk about <laughs> there is no game. Um, this is like a, I, I guess genre wise, you would call it a point and click adventure. Yeah, I guess. It's, you know, it's so funny because we were talking just what like last week. I specifically made a point of saying that I really wish point and click adventures would make a comeback. Yeah. It's because of games like this. This game is so immensely creative from start to finish. Well, I take it back. This non-game is so immensely (laughs) creative from start to finish. It just, it constantly blew my mind. And it started with like even the opening title, the opening title of this non-game of There Is No Game Wrong Dimension 
<laughs> you have you're given two options. You you have the letters of the title that are being suspended down in front of curtains on string, and you are given two options: no game here and <laughs> useless options. Yeah, and and that's the tip of the iceberg. Like that is really just the beginning of the insanity that there is to follow. Um, calling it a point and click adventure even isn't, isn't an, an apt enough description because the things you're going to wind up doing throughout the course of the game, like it takes the concept of a point and click adventure and really does flip it on its ear. Like you said, the amount of creativity on display here, the quality of the writing is I think second to none. Um, mm-hmm. it, it is like one of the most unique games I've ever played in my life. Um, I just, this was just a treat, like a nonstop treat from start to finish. I, I was completely mind blown by this game. Yeah. There's a lot of point and click adventures. This genre has a long and storied history of games and characters and situations yeah. and puzzles that have just a ton of personality. LucasArts and Tim Schafer, you know, especially, you know, like with the early ones of Maniac Mansion and Monkey Island cannot wait for Return to Monkey Island. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, Day of the Tentacle and stuff like Sam and Max and Grim Fandango and Full Throttle and, you know, just all of these classic point and click adventures just dripping with personality. It really feels like the developers behind this non-game really just took that to heart and took everything that that amazing foundation had laid and took it to the nth degree. It took it to the absolute nth degree. Uh, One of the biggest things about this title, this non-game, is if the title of it wasn't already evidence enough of that, if things get meta very very quickly and it really never lets up yeah yeah you're i mean throughout the entirety of this non-game uh you are sort of guided or are working with and also working against um the game literally called game who is this sort of narrator omnipresent thing that is always sort of like goading you and talking to you and you're always sort of going against the game's will and it's like you're you're always sort of poking and prodding despite its best efforts to not let you play it or learn about it yeah game is doing everything (laughs) in its power to try to not let you play the game to even start the game (laughs) it's 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 wild and like the the ways that the lengths that the game goes to not allow you to play it or learn about it is insane. And it even tells a little bit of a story. Like there's a reason why the game is guarded, which is not something that I expected. Even as I was coming into the game, like no matter what I came in, any preconceived notions that I had were thrown completely out the window the moment I started it. And then as I went along, I was like, Oh, there's a story here. And like, it could have just been, you know, like a joke a minute and and it is, but like I was surprised that there was actual meat on the bone narratively to this one. Because that's the thing it does. The the meta comedy that is wrapped that basically just circles and circles this entire experience. It's it's completely earned because of the design. 
of right. this non-game. There are a lot of movies and games. There's a lot of media out there that tries to be cute and self-referential and breaks the fourth wall and tries their hand at meta comedy as a quick way to seem cool. However, there are two things that really drive home the whole meta nature of this game and how well it earns it. A, the writing, which Seth has already touched on, and B, the intricacy and the thinking outside of the box. There is no Outside box. of the box. <laughs> exactly, yeah. yeah. The way you're going to wind up solving puzzles completely fits with the whole meta fourth wall breaking narrative. You are going to have to completely rejig your brain in order to figure out some of the things that go on in this game. And everything, like the whole fourth wall breaking meta comedy, because this is... I was laughing so unbelievably hard. So many points in this game. It's so uproariously funny throughout most of it. uh, That similarly to you, once the narrative really kicks into gear, you're like, oh, it's not just a straight comedy. There's actually something going on here. And that's why it was so surprising is because there were crumbs of something going on behind the scenes uh, like there were several things that I noticed even toward the beginning, like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why that's here. I wonder if that's somehow going to play into something later and it wound up doing it. But there's so many jokes being made at the beginning that a story is actually kind of being laid down behind it and you almost don't even notice until you're surrounded by it. Yeah. Yeah. The game never lets up. Like it is, this game has got such a nonstop pace. I'm not kidding. Like, like it's my a non-game, face, Seth. non-game. sorry. Yeah. This non-game has got such a nonstop pace. Like my face was hurting. I was laughing and smiling so much playing it's it. So like, good. It is so, so funny. funny. Like the, the writing is nonstop hilarious. I, it is genuinely one of the funniest games <laughs> I've ever played. The sword of life, Seth. Yeah. The sword of life. That whole section of the game is hilarious. <laughs> like there's this there's this running bit throughout the whole this whole Russian bit throughout the whole game. The Russian. The Russian. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. Like I and it's really it's unbelievably, unimaginably hard to make a game that is that is funny at all. Um because when the player has got agency immediately and and this is also why it's hard to make a game that is genuinely scary when the player has got agency it's very difficult the the player has a lot of power inherently so when the player is able to influence what's happening in the world in the game it's really hard to make that also funny or also scary there is no game manages to play with that like what you're doing as the player the way you're interacting with the world is the joke and like that is just so endlessly funny. And like I said, the writing is is peerless. Like, there's not a bad line of dialogue in the game. Like, genuinely, it's it's all killer, no filler. There was never, like, a cringeworthy line or anything like that. Like, it was just pitch perfect the entire way through. So impressive. Yeah. And, I mean, even beyond the story... It, it, it's a story that also sticks the landing. Yes. So, and I, I was like, how is this game gonna gonna finish? Like, how is this game going to have an ending that lives up to everything that preceded it? And it, and it does. It's so good. It's so funny. And 
one of the things about the game design, you know, we can, I, I don't want to really talk too much about a lot of the specific instances, about a lot of right. the specific puzzles or situations you're going to find yourself in. Because even though you are here of your own free will at this point, which means I hope you've played it, right. for those of you that have just decided they love the sounds of our voice, regardless <laughs> of whether or not they've experienced this game already. Heated our warnings. <laughs> I I, I still am going to try to avoid overt spoilers right. as much as possible because just because we want people to I like, we still need to talk about this game. We need to tell you how amazing it is and all the ways it's amazing. Let me count the ways, mm-hmm. but, but there's so many just brilliant, just absolutely brilliant moments in this game. There were so many times uh, throughout the course of the gameplay where there was a setup or a solution or just a new element that was added that I was like, oh, that is brilliant. That is just so good. The way that it works within the rule set in this non-game was just uh, just constantly, constantly making me applaud. It was so ridiculously creative, so ridiculously brilliant. Not that there weren't too many super hard puzzles. There weren't too many right. super hard situations that took me a long time. And I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm an idiot. I, f- I fully, fully uh, admit to having to use a guide for much of Hypnospace Outlaw, which, sure. by the way, this game also pays homage to mm-hmm. uh, in a small way. Uh but it was very important to me. It was very important to me that I, A, know as little as possible, and B, that I actually, that I forego every guide, and I actually even completely overlooked the game's hint system, which apparently Seth tells me is really good. Yeah, so so that's something I said earlier that I would recommend this game to, to anybody. And the reason for that is because I think that this is the most elegant and well-designed hint system I've ever seen in a video game. And the way it works is when you are on a screen that has, you know, an element of it that... Uh, has something that that you need to solve a puzzle. You can press the minus button, or you can you know mouse over it because it's this is a cursor game. Like you're you're going to be interacting with the game through a movable cursor. But it's actually mm-hmm. it's actually a really good cursor game. Like this, it's one of the better cursor games that I've played. It never felt like cumbersome or anything, which is also really hard to do. But um, but anyway, it'll highlight the item where there is a hint and it'll have two or three kind of levels of hints to unlock about it. And if you choose to kind of pop the hint, it'll it'll tell you kind of a vague thing like um, like it'll vaguely kind of push you, like nudge you in the right direction. It'll say, I wonder if this would happen if you did this or like it, it just gives you just enough to kind of put your head in the right place. The brilliant thing about it is. Before you access another level of the hint, it actually has a 10 second timer before you're able to hit it. And the brilliant thing about that is it gives the player enough time to convince themselves that they don't actually need it. Like having that 10 second countdown gives the player just enough time to be like, actually, you know what? No, I think I got it. I don't need to do that after all. Whereas if I, if I were able to 
access all of the levels of hints immediately, you might be tempted to just burn through them and just get the solution. You know, just having that simple timer, I think, is a low-key genius design decision. Um, so you'll you'll be able to unlock one or two or sometimes even three hints. And then if you're really having trouble and you decide to just go through them all, um, it, it'll just give you the solution. So uh, I never went that far, but I, I think that it's really nice that, like, if, if you're somebody who really gets stuck, the game gives you space. The game doesn't judge you for using the hint system at all. The game gives you space to consider or reconsider using its hint system. And again, if you're really having so much trouble that you have to burn through all of them, it'll just flat out give you the solution so that you can move on and keep experiencing it. It's like very elegant and really well done. Yeah, like I said, it was very important for me personally that I try to experience this game in its most pure form, I guess might be the way to put it, even though that sounds, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Sure. Uh, but there were there were a couple things that did kind of, you know, tie me up for just just a little while. Seth and I have talked about uh, a couple that that tied us up for a few moments. We're not going to convey them here again. Right. Super spoilers. But the, there were a couple moments. But I will say the the breadth of puzzles and the the variety that's on display here. I mean, there are so like I can't even really even ballpark the number of actual puzzles that are in this game oh yeah i mean it must be hundreds of little puzzles yeah because there are parts of this game that play completely differently from each other there are parts that you could really kind of say are essentially a couple dozen different smaller puzzles within a larger more complex puzzle right there are parts of this game that are essentially just little individual pieces of the bigger whole. There are some parts of this game that are just like, you know, just straight, like one set puzzle to one set puzzle to one set puzzle. And then you'll have much more comprehensive stuff. You'll have more simple stuff. You'll have, you know, visually based audio based. Uh, it, it's just, it runs the gamut, but every single one still it it blows my mind that there were this many ways, this many, you know, fourth wall breaking, again, meta, again, mind blowing ways to design puzzles like this. Yeah. And, and once you sort of attune your brain into like, like once you, once you like turn the dial of your brain into the station of there is no game, like I do feel like the game does a, the non game, sorry, does a really good job of sort of making the stuff within the context of it feel naturalistic. The the moment for me, and I'm going to say this very vaguely, but you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. And if you've, if you've played the game, you'll know what I'm talking about. The moment in the game where you have to get ice, um, that yes. moment was when like, I, I felt like I had just opened my third eye or something like, <laughs> like that, that was when I was like, okay, like, that's what that's what this this non game is about. I like I all of a sudden it is now unlocked for me. Like I like now I know how out there I have to be to solve this game's puzzles, you know. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's it's great. It's great and it's so creative and it's so unique and and by the way the game's longer or the not game rather is longer than you expect it to be. Um I, it was funny because we were looking into it and how long to beat had it averaged at like four, four and a half hours. I think it took us closer to six, seven hours. 
Yeah, it took me about seven hours. A, I'm an idiot, and B, <laughs> I didn't want to use the his system whatsoever. But even still, even still, this game was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. I was well into the game. I had already figured out dozens of things yeah. by the time the words chapter two appeared on my screen. And I was like, how many chapters are in this game? Yeah. Turns out there's six chapters in the game, but each one of them is, and this is a phrase I like to use, but this is very well deserved with this game. Each chapter in this non-game is incredibly meaty. Oh yeah. Yeah, it definitely earns its length. Like it feels like a complete adventure. Even though this is a game that you could still beat in one or two sittings. I think you and I both beat it in two sittings. Um mm-hmm. this is this still, by the end of it, feels way bigger than the sum of its parts. You feel like you've gone on a grand adventure that is the perfect length. I was never kind of like looking at the clock. I was never saying, wow, this is overstaying its welcome. And I also didn't feel like it was too short. Like it was it was pitch perfect. The, the length of it, I think, is absolutely pitch perfect. Yeah. It, it feels like the culmination of a lifetime's worth of ideas. Like the like the non-games creator just grew up and every time they had this weird off-the-wall idea, they wrote it down in a notebook. And by the time they got around to learning non-game design, they were finally <laughs> able to just take this notebook and just barf it all up onto their computer screen. It genuinely feels like the culmination of someone's life's work with just all the different ideas that are at play here. And I, I certainly want to bring up something else because, you know, this is something that you mentioned to me, Seth, but uh, the, there are actually not licensed, but, but <laughs> quite a few recognizable elements within the game. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, this game, this non-game um, mm-hmm. is, is probably... One of the, if not the most brilliant uses of public domain that I've ever seen. The way that There Is No Game integrates elements of public domain, I don't even want to say what they are because, again, that that would that would spoil it a little more than I would be comfortable with. But you'll recognize, you know, famous um, things and characters, and you'll you'll notice a that stuff. A couple very well known classic literary figures. Yes, some very well known you know, classical tunes. Yeah. Pieces of music, even like, um, like old public domain film. It's like, it's used absolutely brilliantly. Like I, the way that they tie into jokes, the way that they tie into like story beats, the way they tie into puzzles, even it is like there, there's a, there's a puzzle using public domain. Again, I'm going to speak very vaguely public domain, like old film, that involves mm-hmm. a gun. And it's so good. That puzzle was <laughs> like so breathtaking to me. I was like, I can't believe the way they have pulled this off. Um, just, just absolutely wild. It, it's just a brilliant way of utilizing public domain. Like this is the, the indie game, indie game. Like this just, like you said earlier, this feels like the culmination of somebody's lifetime of ideas put into this thing, but also solving the little problems in a way that they even will poke fun of. 
Like, oh, like mm-hmm. we, we didn't see that animation, but I bet it was awesome. But it was like, but it's because you know that they didn't have the budget to animate that particular thing. You know, they, they found ways to make these cuts and to make these things work that they didn't have to pay for and make it fit within their budget in a way that never feels cheap or unearned. Like, it's brilliant. See, cheap. Cheap is uh, is a very key word there, yeah. I think, because uh, the quality of the voice acting in this is pitch perfect. Yeah. The quality of the coding in this game is fantastic. This feels like it had a bigger budget than I'm sure it did. Right. The, the tightness of the controls, the way everything just lines up perfectly, especially with the way the characters in this non-game are constantly referencing and talking about not only what's going on on screen, but the things that you are doing, the ways that you are interacting with this non-world, the way they're constantly referencing and reacting to things that are happening both out of your control and fully within your control to to, you know, to drive the game forward, the way they talk in you know, in very specific words to, you know, even without using the hint system to kind of put you on the right path and the way things, the way, you know, NPCs, non-game NPCs interact with each other. There are some games that even that have a big team, they still feel like indie games, Mm -hmm. but this non-game still feels like it really had a triple A team behind it. The, just the quality of the work in every facet of what's going on here on top of the creativity, on top of everything else we've said, just the strength of the code in this nine. It's amazing to me that it's actually not a video game. (laughs) Yeah. I genuinely, I don't think I have a complaint with the game like, or with, with the not game. I, I genuinely don't think I have a complaint like at all like it, it is a it is a top five switch indie game for sure like yeah. maybe even top three like it's it's that strong yeah it doesn't unseat wander song mm-hmm. for me but i can very very confidently say that this is one of my favorite indie games on the nintendo switch like we weren't kidding when we said at the beginning that we can fully recommend this game uh, to the point where we were confident in telling people to not listen to us talk about it. That's how confident we are in the game. It's it's just an absolutely stunning achievement. In terms of a concept of design, this non-game is one of the strongest I've ever seen. It, you know, I talk about uh, a lot of classic point-and-click adventures, This game, it's also, in addition to being very meta and very fourth wall breaking, it is also very referential, specifically, specifically toward a lot of games that kind of fit within that uh, point and click adventure genre, from classics of the genre to maybe even some games you might not think of. And there are certainly some, some references that I think only real hardcore gamers would even get. There's certainly some that, uh, that are, that they're winking and nodding pretty hard Mm -hmm. at, but I love the way that this game, you know, you talk about games that are love letters that are homages uh, this game is very clearly 
it it knows where it came from. It knows that it's standing on the backs of these classics and it fully embraces that. Uh, a lot of the games that it specifically references in just kind of these loving ways is just so nice to see because uh, we, we've seen referential games before, but this game is specifically referential toward other point and click adventures. It certainly got some other stuff in there, especially when it comes to the public domain. But there are so many just overt references to greats within the genre, both new and old, that it was really just it was just really kind of heartwarming to see from a non-game design perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and fairly priced, I think, at twelve ninety nine. Um, Dude. Yeah. Dude, for, for I would have paid is. this for half the length. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, for for what it is, like I said, um, your mileage may vary. It's going to depend on the length of time you take to solve the puzzles, if you wind up using the hint system or not. But Eric and I each got, you know, six, seven hours out of it. I will say this, for me anyway, is the kind of thing where, like, I'm not going to jump back in for a very long time and want to replay this game, or this not yeah. game, rather. This is such a singular experience that it, it's it reminds me of something like Journey, like like that was my experience with the with the game, and I don't want to like I don't want to taint that. I I can't go back in for another playthrough or whatever. So, you know, but but I at no point did I feel cheated out of my money or whatever. It feels like a very very complete singular experience. And again, twelve ninety nine, you're not going to regret it. Yeah, I can certainly see other people wanting to go back and replay just to see the jokes again or to listen mm-hmm. to a few specific selections again uh, because the game is constantly entertaining. But that is that is the problem with narratively strong games. It's also the problem with puzzle games is once you get to the end, once you've experienced that story, once you've right. experienced those puzzles, once they don't carry as much weight. I'm not going to put this on the same level as something like, you know, psychological thrillers or something to where once the twist is known, then there's really no reason to watch the movie again. Sure. I'm not going to say it's, you know, I'm not going to say it's like on that level of non replayability, but there is, if there is anything to be said about this game is that once you have played through it, it is just one of those experiences that is, it the law of diminishing returns hits hard immediately with this game. It's yeah. I just like you, I have no desire whatsoever to go back and replay it anymore. Unlike a few other games that, you know, you and I keep coming back to, uh, you know, I can't really think of too many off the top of my head. Certainly not monster hunter, certainly not, <laughs> Drink, certainly not but yeah. But, but if we were going to say anything negative, I guess, at all about the game, that would be it. It's just it, the fact yeah. that it, if, if I could wipe my mind, sure, if I could finish the game and just neuralize myself, it's a Men in Black reference, for if I could just wipe my memory after playing it, I would do that in a heartbeat to go back and replay it. But unfortunately, we can't. That's not how things work. Yeah. But... It's it's not one of those things to where 
well, you know, you can't replay it, so I don't recommend playing it whatsoever. No, I 1,000% recommend playing this. This is one of the most special, and I do genuinely mean that, this is one of the most special experiences I think you can have on the Nintendo Switch. I really can't give this game a higher recommendation. It's, I mean, it just, it, it falls just short of, you know, a lot of the AAA greats on the console. It falls just short of stuff like Xenoblade Chronicles 2 and Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild for me. It's certainly not as massive or as epic or, you know, as produced as those games, but this is definitely a game, definitely an experience that is going to stay with you for a long time. I completely agree. And I don't even like, like me, I, maybe in like 10 years or something when, when my mind is dwindled a little bit, I I'll, I'll feel the need to replay, but you just, you know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, you know, but that doesn't, that, that's not even really a negative. I feel so satisfied by this experience. I have no desire because it was completed. Like I, I just had that experience and it was special and it was beautiful and, and I absolutely adored every second of it. And I, I am so happy that I played this. Like I had been meaning to get to it for a while. I am so happy that, that like finally I played or I guess not played. There is no game. Yeah. Because that's the thing is there really isn't a game. At the yep. end of the day, there's just no game. And that's really nothing more than we can say about it. <laughs> and if all I ever did with my life was play this not game or not get to play this game, however that works, if all I ever did with my life was get to experience this not game, it would be a life well lived. But those are just our humble thoughts on what we think is one of the most special games on this console. Even among indie showcases, this is an indie showcase for us. This is why it's closing out our episode this week. This is a monumentally special game. So I hope that if you haven't played it and you're still listening to this, I hope that we have encouraged you. I hope that we have persuaded you by now to give it a try. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. there's no demo, but again, uh, does not come with a higher recommendation. We can't say that enough. But if you have already played it, if you are going to play it, if you know nothing about it and just want to talk about it, let us know. Reach out to us on Facebook at All In Podcast. Reach out to us on Twitter at All In Podcast. Come join our community. Join the Discord community over with us. Join us in the spoiler zone where we can geek out about every little thing that happened in the game it's of which good there are spoilers hundreds. Yeah. Oh my lord. Join us in Discord, Facebook, Twitter. Join us on youtube.com slash all in podcast on twitch.tv slash all in podcast for all of your weekly live news updates every Friday night at 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh thank you again to all those who joined us yesterday mm -hmm. uh last night. And if you're not able to check out the live broadcast on Friday nights, we still have all in a Nintendo podcast, the podcast, which you can follow on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Anchor, just all, just all, just all the places where you get your podcasts from, just all the places. And uh, if you like what we're doing over here at All In, if you think we're doing a halfway decent job, we would really like it if you became a patron 
Check us out on patreon.com slash all in podcast. We've got a ton of stuff that we do in addition to this show that are for our wonderful patrons. Yeah, including a whole other dang podcast that we do over there exclusively yes, for our golden banana. We never banana. stop talking. Yeah, we never stop talking. It's exclusive to our golden banana and Triforce tier patrons. Uh, and many, many more perks. Head over to patreon.com slash all in podcast and check out everything we have on offer there and see what tier works for you. We super appreciate that. Absolutely guys. But even if you're not able to do that, we do understand. We very much like your support if you can give it, but even if you can't become a patron, there is something that you can do to support, to get the backs of your favorite Nintendo podcasters. You know what that is guys? That is dropping some words absolutely for free on iTunes, on Podchaser, on Audible. You can leave a five-star written review, and then on Spotify, you can leave a five-star rating. It's super easy. It's super free. Couldn't be more free. And if you do that, you'll get a shout-out here on the show, and it helps us so much with visibility and uh, and gets our show in front of the people that need to hear it. And uh, it is really one of the best ways you can support this show. Uh, we, we appreciate it so, so much. Yes, we appreciate it. We appreciate all of you guys. Yes, even you listening to us for the first time. We appreciate you. Welcome to the show. We love to have you. We hopefully, uh, hopefully you'll stay with us much, much longer. But uh, in addition to that person that I just spoke to directly, we appreciate every <laughs> single one of you out there in radio land, out there in internet land, out there across the world who hang out with us each and every Saturday and make us part of your weekly rotation. Namaste. Namaste to, to even you, Robert. Like, wouldn't that be crazy if somebody named Robert's like, he's talking to me. <laughs> you know, they just have hey, like that. Every... <laughs> Every week is somebody's first episode, man. That's right. That's right. And we got another one in the books. I think that uh, maybe we have calmed down the internet, maybe, putting putting this episode out there. Maybe has uh, sort of quelled the flames a tad. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just, I just know that I need that switch i just know that i need that splatoon 3 switch that's all i know in my life right now there's like nintendo is trying to throw so much stuff at us between the lego bowser between the new splatoon switch and just all this stuff and just like spend all of the money how much disposable income do you have that's not enough buy all the things yeah it's a personal attack really it really is. Yeah, it's, it's it's actually targeted. It's it's financial terrorism. That's practically what it is. Uh, but it's been one heck of an epilogue to June. Very much looking forward to the rest of July. There's a certain third game in a JRPG trilogy mm -hmm. that we cannot wait for coming at the end of this month. There's so much to do, so much to see and we hope that you will join us in experiencing all of it and guys we will see you back here next saturday for a brand new episode but until then i have been new super eric brothers and i have been panel to seth have a great weekend everybody we love you all very much bye, bye. bye.